Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, there's a form down in the description of this stream right now where you can put your questions down there and we will get them answered on the stream today. I also want to let you know, if you are watching this on the replay and you were not able to join us live, we live stream every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. However, since you weren't able to make it, um, hopefully I'll see you next Saturday. But if I don't, I do want to let you know that we put chapters in these live streams. What that means is there's a long little play bar at the bottom as you're looking at this. If you hover over that, you're going to see a list of all the different questions that have been asked here during the stream today. Or you can go down to the description and you can see the questions that were asked. And you can just jump to whatever it is that you want to jump to do um, in terms of the questions that make the most sense to you or the things that you want to know. So feel free to skip around and, um, and see all the information that we have available for you in this live stream and in past live streams as well. With all of that out of the way, I do want to let you know that today's stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, which is the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy helps you optimize your videos for discovery, helps you test your thumbnails to make sure that the thumbnails that you're making are effective for the audience that you're trying to reach um, and a bunch of other things as well. TubeBuddy has 90 different tools that'll help you with your YouTube channel. A lot of people think that it's just a keyword tool. They have 90 different tools that will help you with your channel. So you can try TubeBuddy free at TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin. I'll actually put that up on the screen here so you can see uh, what that is as well. Um, if you're a content creator, you should be using TubeBuddy um, just as part of your workflow anyway. Um, this stream is co-brought to you by StreamYard, which is the live streaming tool that I use to stream this every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. The reason that I use StreamYard is because they do all the heavy lifting for me in the cloud, so I don't have to have a strong computer. Um, if my internet goes down or my electric shuts off for whatever reason, I can just join the stream on my phone and I don't skip a beat. So instead of the whole stream going down, it keeps everything going, but it's also easy to bring on guests, which I'm going to be doing later in the show today. Um, and it's easy to add graphics to the screen, like you can see right up here on the screen and little notes and tickers and all kinds of, you know, little things that you can add, um, you know, within your stream. So I encourage you to try that out. If you're a live streamer, um, you can find out more about that at streamyard.com. Or of course, I've got direct links to that down in the description um, as well. Um, I also... Um, actually, I already told you about me, you know, I, but we'll just say it this way. I got a bunch of helpful things for you down in the description. So check that out um, as well. So with all that stuff out of the way, I hope everybody's having a fantastic um, week. I hope that, that, you know, your videos are doing awesome. So just in case, I'm, I'm just going to do some housekeeping here because there's some really important information um, about YouTube that came out that I want to make sure that you are aware of. So as of right now, um, you know, a lot of people have seen the news story that I did yesterday. Um, it's actually pinned to the top of the screen because what I'm getting ready to tell you is in there. Um, and in addition to that, there's some more things that you should check out as well. But just as a heads up, when the um, every single Friday, I do a news segment to keep you up to date with everything that's happening on YouTube that impacts content creators. So make sure you swing by on Fridays and check that out. Um, however, the thing that I want to bring to your attention, just in case you are not aware of this, is that um, Todd, who is the person that runs essentially the the YouTube homepage, he is behind um, you know all of the you know uh, decisions that they make when it comes to the recommendation system on the homepage. Um, he put out a tweet uh, saying that now in the past when they had let's see here, should I turn it up or should I turn it down? But anyway, um, when there we go, bump it up just a tad. Oh, the music is okay. Turning it down right now. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the heads up there, um, everybody. 
So when it comes to um, shorts, shorts content. So what was happening before is YouTube um, was not recommending your shorts con or your long form content if people were interacting with your shorts. However, with the new update, what they are doing is they are going to put your videos in front of people that they, your long form videos in front of people that they are detecting are enjoying your short form content as well. This is a huge thing for content creators and specifically small or newer content creators. So how many people here are just getting started on YouTube? If you're just getting started, let me know. Because if you're a small content creator, one of the problems that you have is just discovery in general on YouTube. And what that means is you have trouble, you know, getting your videos in front of people, especially, you know, when you're first trying to get that initial momentum of, you know, just getting people interacting with what you're doing so YouTube knows who to show it to. Well, one of the things that's going to help you in a major way is if you are somebody that ends up using um, YouTube Shorts or if you're using them already, YouTube Shorts will typically go in front of, you know, will push you into more new audiences and they just show up in front of people. So when you put out long form content, people have to click on it and you know they have to make that conscious choice to actually come in and watch the content with shorts as long as you can make a good video and people enjoy that short then youtube detects that they enjoy that short which means that for your long form content you will start getting impressions um, or youtube will start showing your videos to the people that are interacting with your shorts so this is a huge opportunity um, for you as a small content creator for us larger channels and for the channels that are really big um, this is also you know a great opportunity for us um, as well so i just wanted to make sure that you are aware of that now another thing as well just based on some of the comments that i got um, in that particular news segment is, hey, small games really quick um, on the Sure SM7B. Um, I dig it, that's what I'm using right now. I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's fine. It does the, uh, does the trick. <laughs> but um, another thing that I do want to uh, mention as well is when it comes to um, YouTube Shorts, there's this huge misconception that YouTube Shorts means that people that watch YouTube Shorts have low attention spans. So one thing that I want to let everybody know just to kind of put that idea to rest is that when it comes to YouTube Shorts, the thing with YouTube Shorts is you sit there and you typically just will watch, you know, a bunch of shorts. That one doesn't mean that you have a short attention span. Two, just because somebody watches YouTube Shorts doesn't mean that they're not watching long form content. Me and everybody that I know, um, you know, we'll watch shorts um, or TikTok, shorter form on, on TikTok. Um, but then, you know, we'll also watch longer form videos for different things. So for me personally, that typically, that typically happens just based on what I'm doing. So for example, if I'm just having a coffee or something, then maybe, you know, I'll just sit there and flip through some shorts and just get some quick bits of information or entertainment. However, if I'm wanting to deep dive on something or I'm wanting to like really, you know, just learn something or just watch something, you know, like really entertaining, then in that case, then I'll watch long form content. So I just want to put to rest the idea that just because somebody is interacting with your shorts content, that doesn't mean that they have a short attention span. It just means that that's how they're consuming that content at that moment in time. And those same people or a lot of those same people are also going to enjoy the long form content. But anyway, this update is huge and I can't put into words how big this is and what an opportunity this is for um, for content creators in terms of just getting yourself in front of more getting yourself in front of more people because you know that's the hardest part <laughs> of YouTube but as a as a, as a quick uh, 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 one more mention uh, about that one more thing that I want to say is that keep in mind 
when you are trying to take advantage of this opportunity, remember, especially if you're just getting started, because if you have a, a, a bigger channel, there's a good chance you've already you know, figured out how to get people to click on your stuff. But if you're just getting started, keep in mind that when you do put out YouTube shorts, those videos just show up in front of people. They don't choose to watch them. So it's easier to get views. However, once YouTube does recommend your long form content to those people that are interacting with your shorts, you still have to get them to click. And the way that you get them to click is by making videos about things that you know people care about that, you know, related to the type of content that you make. Um, also helping your thumbnail uh, or using your thumbnail to help them identify that the video is about something that they might care about. And then of course, making sure that you have a compelling title that has enough information in it um, to inform the viewer about what they might be getting um, or to create some type of curiosity gap or something like that. So, um, so because of that, I just wanted to make sure that I bring that to your attention for everybody that's hanging out here because you know, this is a this is a really big deal. So I just wanted to make sure to um, you know to, to to talk about this for a second, just based on some of the comments um, that I got in the um, in the news segment that we did uh, that we did yesterday. So with all of that out of the way, we're going to start getting into the content, start answering your your questions. So if you are a YouTube content creator, if this is your first time here, what I'm doing is I'm answering um, questions basically from people that are hanging out here. Um, but there's a form down in the description below. That's where we're pulling the questions from first. Later in the stream, we are going to just be pulling them randomly out of the chat. Um, um, and I also have a guest coming on later in the stream as well for the last hour that is also going to, you know, be helping um, solve your questions that you have around YouTube. So to get started, I do want to say if you are a tube spanner user, make sure that you get your notepad open. Um, I'll give you just a few seconds to do that. And if you're not a tube spanner user, um, tube spanner, the notepad is just one feature of tube spanner. Um, but tube spanner is a YouTube productivity tool. It'll help you share and promote your content. Um, it'll help you write video scripts. It'll help you take notes and study other videos, things like that. Um, but you can check out more about tube spanner at tubespanner.com. I've got a link to that down in the description. Um, as well as a bunch of other stuff. So here we go. So the very first question that we have on our list is from Stormy, Sca uh, Stor Stormy Sky Rail Productions. And they say that they do mostly trains with some weather um, is the type of content they put out. The goal of the channel is to have fun and make some money. And the question is, how important is the category your channel and videos are placed in? We're currently under vehicles and autos, but notice some others in the same genre in the entertainment category. We were wondering how important this is to getting your videos out there to be seen. So according to YouTube, um, your categories, you want to use them to get as close as you can to match, you know, what it is that you're actually doing. However, once you publish your video and the system starts to understand what your video is about, they have their own categorization they apply to it um, once that happens. So because of that, just make your, you know, make your category, whatever you think is the closest fit for what it is that you're, that you're actually offering. Great question though. Um, next question that we have here on our list, we're already on number two, is from 86th Street Project M. And 86th Street Project M says that they do help and advice to new cooks and new managers. And the goal of the channel says, I have a five-year plan to eventually go full-time. Using the channel as a funnel for coaching products that target management or prospective owners, some of the cash will go towards continuing to help new cooks for free. Question, I wanna know more about memberships effectively. I'm in the Nimitati and I love how it works and the price point is awesome, but I curi I'm curious how things work on the 
back end because eventually I want to be the Nick Nimmin of restaurant management. So when it comes to, I love that by the way, but when it comes to um, the uh, our memberships here, um, basically I have it at that low tier just because it's it's kind of like a, a barrier of sorts because I have people reaching out to me in DMs like on every platform. I get you know emails and stuff like that from people wanting me to help with their YouTube channels, and sometimes I you know I'll, I'll you know I'll just hop in and help them too. Um, but with the membership, it just makes it one where I can have like a like a side community so to speak um, of people that are just a little bit more committed. Um, and in addition to that, it also kind of helps me put my focus on people that are also kind of helping me help other creators as well. Um, so you know that's how um, I'm using mine. However, um, because of that, that low tier, you know, it is pretty low. So, you know, when you are putting yours, Hey Mick, I hope you're doing awesome, man. Thanks for being in the chat today. But when you are putting your uh, membership information together, one of the things to think about is just what do you have to offer and how valuable is that to the people that you are interacting with? Um, and, you know, in some cases, that $5 tier might not cut the mustard, so to speak. You might need to do a $20 tier, a $25 tier, a $50 tier, a $100 tier, something like that, in order to, you know, be able to give the value that you need to give to the people that you're, you know, targeting with that, um, you know, with that, uh, with how you're, you know, going to set up your, your membership. But the idea is to just think about what can I I give in return for whatever it is that I'm that I'm asking. Next up on our list, um, that's a good question. Good question though. Um, next up on our list here, we've got hey Boneyard Lawn Service. Welcome to the stream today. I hope that you're doing awesome. Artimo Silva, hope that you're doing great. Nice to see you in the chat today. Doug Houston YT, hope you're doing great, my man. Nigel, welcome to the stream. So, uh, so next up on our list here, we've got the Creator Classroom. Um, she does tutorials and the goal is to help people learn how to use Canva. And the question is, I'm about 640 hours away from being able to apply for monetization. What opens up for me with my channel when I reach that milestone? Thank you so much. Well, the important thing is you are going to be able to start getting money from ads. Once you start getting that money from ads, then you know everything kind of changes because then you get to see like, hey, what videos do I make that end up driving higher CPMs and that people respond to well that also have higher RPMs and all that. And that helps you kind of fine tune what it is that you're doing to where you can make sure that as part of your content strategy, some of the content that you're putting out, it, you're putting it out for that sake of kind of filling that bucket of, of money, not a bucket of money, but you know what I mean? Like out of your different you know things that you're trying to accomplish with your content, one of those things for content creators is to earn revenue from it. So, you know, in your case, you are going to be able to like really, um, you know, really focus on that, which is going to be uh, which is going to be fantastic. So I just saw Jacker Cracker here says that they are doing VidSummit online. Um, first off, you're going to learn a ton. Second off, I do want to remind everybody that um, VidSummit, what he's talking about, it's a conference that's happening in um, Los Angeles on September 27th to the 29th. And um, I'm going to be speaking there. A lot of other content creators are going to be speaking there. A lot of like really big and knowledgeable content creators are going to be speaking there um, as well and sharing their information about how they grew their YouTube channels in order to help out other content creators as well. But if you are somebody that takes YouTube seriously, I recommend that you go. I've got links to it down in the description below. Um, and if you can't go, they do have a virtual ticket, which means that you can participate online. So um, just as a heads up there, with uh you know with vid summit it's definitely something that has been a game changer for a lot of youtube uh content creators so it's definitely something to consider if you are able tube spanner in the house what is up hope you're on fantastic danielle says what do you call a youtuber who's really satisfied in life a content a content creator <laughs> oh goodness oh goodness Goodness. So, so that one, you know, couldn't have been found somewhere online. Like that one's like made up like on the spot, I think. <laughs> oh, love those. Still think you need a coffee table book. 
Brad, welcome to the stream, man. Hope you're doing awesome. Organized pineapple, welcome. So next question that we have on our list here, we're going into question number four. We've got Love Audio Production. Love Audio Production says they've been on YouTube for one year or more. And the goal of the channel is to help others with audio production tips for beginners. Super cool. Um, the question is, I know you cover this a lot, but I sometimes struggle with topics to cover. Any help gratefully received? P.S. My other channel is the one that you mentioned last week, Ironing Man Paul. Nice, nice, nice. So um, when it comes to coming up with video ideas, hey, thanks, Doug. I will um, I will get that up. Um, Lenny, the lawyer, um, Doug just brought that to my attention. I will get yours right here in, um, in just a second. Um, but when it comes to coming up with topics to cover, here's what you want to make sure you're thinking about. One, is your channel offers a specific type of value and your channel should be targeting a specific type of viewer for YouTube. And the reason for that is because when you start making content for a certain type of viewer and you are able to get them to respond to the content, or in other words, enjoy your content, then what ends up happening is YouTube finds other people on the platform that are into the same things that they are and they present your content to them. So by making sure that you are focused on a specific audience, you're increasing your chances of that happening and you're increasing your chances of that happening more rapidly if you're making content that people respond to. So step number one is to define who it is that you are actually making content for and provide or not provide, but define the value that you are going to be bringing or that you're currently bringing to that audience. So the approach or the idea is to just get super clear on that. And then once you're clear on that, then you can start, you know, hopping on everywhere online that your audience is likely to be hanging out. Um, so for example, let's say that um, let's say that you have like a Reddit or a subreddit um, or a bunch of different subreddits where they might be hanging out. Um, you might have Facebook groups where they're hanging out. You might have discords where they're hanging out. You might have other online communities where they're hanging out. You wanna go embed yourself there and you want to participate and you wanna see what it is that they're talking about, the things they care about, the things that they don't care about, the things that trigger them, the things they hate, the things they purchase, like all of these things, you wanna make sure that you're you know, noting down all of this stuff because these that's the information that you're going to use to come up with your video topics. That's the information that you're gonna to use to communicate to them in the way that they resonate with. And that's also going to help you just understand all different aspects at a deep, at a deep level of the things that the people that you're trying to reach do and do not care about. Um, so that helps you, you know, succeed long-term. In addition to that, that also, when you target a very specific audience, that also helps you make a certain type of content. And once you build that channel up, then by targeting a specific audience, that also makes you more valuable to brands as well. So then that makes your channel more lucrative long-term. Um, so, you know, that side of things is really important. Now, in terms of you know actually coming up with the topics, once you do understand who it is that you are um, you know reaching with your content, then one of the things that you do in that case is you start you know thinking like okay what are all these you know what are all the things that these people are into, um, not just problems but like what are they interested in, what do they care about that I can you know make content about, and this is much easier to do if you are actually into the things that you're making content about as well because then you're also going to have that insider um, experience or point of view because you're also going to have those things that you care. About as well. But at the end of the day, um, once you know the topics or the general idea of, you know, the theme of your channel or the value proposition of your channel, um, what you can do is you can go up into YouTube search and you can just start typing in different ideas based around the type of content that you make. Um, like in your case, since you are doing audio production tips for beginners, 
then you can start looking for, you know, different things that people, you know, are trying to fix as it come as it relates to audio production. So if you mean like music audio production, then that's, you know, one type of content you'd be making. If you're just talking about, you know, how do you make your voice sound better and those types of things, then that's a totally different, you know, totally different audience. Some of that you might have a little bit of crossover, but the big idea is um, once you are clear on, you know, which version of that audio production you're doing, which I'm sure you already are, um, then, you know, just hop into YouTube autocomplete and start looking around for different things that people are looking for. So for example, if you ha are teaching people about how to make their voices sound better and things like that, then you would go up and you would just start typing in, you know, um, audio production or, or how to fix audio and then just hit space. And then YouTube's going to give you some suggestions based around things that people are looking for. Now, in addition to that, you also have, um, you also have uh, TubeBuddy, which has a keyword explorer. You can use that if you want to, to optimize your content for search. However, um, the bigger picture with the keyword explorer is that you wanna use it to uncover ideas that people are looking for around the type of content that you make. Um, in addition to that, YouTube has a built-in tool that you can use as well that will also help you uncover things that your audience uh, might care about topically. So really quick, um, there were some, just a, a handful of things that came in here really quick. So um, Cloud Gaming Dad, a uh, member for nine months. Thank you um, for that. Says, um, appreciate all you do for the creator community. Thank you for that. I appreciate the uh, kind words and your support through the membership. Um, Stormy Skyrail Production says, thanks for all the great information you give here. Um, we've gained over 300 subs so far this month. Hey, congratulations to you. Nice work. Um, let's see here. So next up on um, on this list, Rodsters. Oh no, we're, you know we. I have uh, Lenny the lawyer. Let me take care of you real quick. <laughs> so Lenny says, I want to use multiple USB mics, but I don't have enough ports in my computer for them. Um, for them, YouTube and other videos. Is there an equivalent of the Rodecaster Pro Two for USB mics, or are there adapters? It's a really good question. So um, I know that I, I'm not even sure if you can use multiple mics. Um, cameras you can, but I'm not sure if you can use multiple USB mics in one um, in one computer. You might be able to, but I that I'm aware of, I don't think you can. Um, but you might be able to. There might be software that you know that allows you to do it or something. But to my understanding, like when you are selecting an audio source, it's like that's it. Like that's the one that you you know that's the one that you're selecting. So to my understanding, I don't think that there's something avail um, available for that to where you can use you know multiple USB mics. However, maybe you're trying to do it for like a podcast or something like that. In that case, you might be able to do that through something like Adobe Audition, um, but you're still gonna need the USB ports. So one thing that you might wanna try, but it's gonna be a gamble because you're gonna have to spend money to do it, is they do make powered USB um, USB docks. And with those powered USB docks, the power basically just gives it more juice. Um, but with those, you might be able to accomplish it with that, but it's gonna be a roll of the dice. Uh, my brother Dean Emmons is in the house, what's up D? Says that um, you can uh, with Banana software, voice meter banana is what you wanna look for um, there and um, and a USB dock. Okay, so there we go. D's got you, uh, D's got you covered. See, he should, he should make a video about that. <laughs> So uh, let's see here. So uh, next up, we've got uh, 86 Boxing says, cheers, Nick. Thank you um, for that. Uh, 86 Boxing, iFun Chris, thank you for the, uh, for the super chat there. I appreciate it, man. And um, Drew says, been a member for seven months. Um, hard to get rid of me, I know. <laughs> and uh, Claire is a new member. Claire. Welcome to the Nimini. Welcome 
to the Nimenati, make sure when you get the chance, you go to nimenvip.com. That is our members only um, area. When you go to that, it's gonna redirect you to our members only Facebook group, fill out all the information um, once you hit that page. And um, and I will, I will get you in there as soon as this stream is over today. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on trucking here, we've got, um, let's see here. Let me make sure I got everything taken care of there. I did. We've got that. Okay. So it'll top back into the questions. So next up um, on our questions list here, um, we're sliding into question number five. And question number five is the channel name is True Love. They do daily content. They've been on YouTube for a year or more. The type of channel is love and relationships. The goal of the channel is to help people um, and create my personal brand. So really quick, before I get to this question, one more thing that I should have mentioned at the end, and this is where this is where it helps to like come into the stream and just like hang out in the stream for things like this, right? So one thing I do wanna let everybody know about, so that whole bit that I went through earlier about the, um, about the uh, YouTube shorts and, you know, making that connection. So one thing that I do want to bring to your attention, um, because they've been rolling this out, not everybody had it, but um, as of, Yesterday, most of the channels that I looked at have this. Um, if you go to one of your videos on your phone, let me turn this off real quick. If you go to one of the videos on your, on your, uh, one of your videos on your phone, there's a new option. If you click on the create um, option in the app, there's a new option right up here at the top that you should have available on your channel now called edit into a short. Um, what that does is that allows you to be able to um, sample up to 60 seconds of your long form content and use it as a YouTube short. So here's a little quick you know, thing for you, um, just in terms of like how you can use this. So I have a channel that I've been uploaded to in like six years, uh, maybe, maybe going on seven now. But with that particular channel, there's a lot of really good content on there. So I spent about 30 minutes today, maybe eh, probably a little bit longer than that. I spent probably about 45 minutes today um, going through and using that option to basically make a bunch of shorts from that content. And I have them all scheduled to be publishing uh, daily from that channel. And I'm going to see if any of those shorts end up getting taken off and bringing any attention to the channel. Um, if it does, then based on how YouTube is starting to hand off, you know, the, or starting to recommend longer form content to the shorts that, uh, uh, you know, uh, people that are watching those, um, if that ends up working out and people start, you know, enjoying those shorts, it's possible that I might occasionally put a uh, longer form video over there from time to time because I love making that content just as like a hobby thing because it's great. <laughs> but anyway, that's um, that's something that you can use, you know, in whatever way that you um, need to as a means to, you know, make some, you know, content or whatever it is that you need to do um, in order to stay consistent or to experiment with shorts or whatever. So I just want to make sure to mention that. Okay, so the question here for um, the um, for True Love or the Love and Relationship channel, um, I got it, Doug. I will get that um, next. Thank you. Um, says, hello, Nick. I give advice on relationships. Um, public four shorts every day. Many shorts on my niche that are not very good have more than 100,000 views. However, I make mine with a better hook, value, and editing, and they don't get over 1,000 views. Why is this happening? How can I solve it? Have a good day. So just as a quick um, thing that we all have to uh, you know, uh, know about, or we all have to accept is that, you know, it's not always like when we think we do something better, um, just keep in mind that, you know, we think that we do it better because we are making it based around the things that we like and the things that we think people respond to and things like that. But at the end of the day, the audience 
is how, you know, the audience is the one that makes that call. The people that are interacting with your content are the ones that are actually deciding through their experience if the hook is good, if the content is good, if they're enjoying it and all of that. So, you know, if those other ones are getting a better response, even though in your mind, yours, the ones that you're putting together are better, um, if people are responding to theirs better, then at least the people that YouTube is showing theirs to um, are responding to theirs better than yours. And that's causing theirs to um, end up performing better. So really quick, Renee, um, Richie says, pro tip, be thoughtful of how you place lower thirds and other graphics in your VODs so that if when you pull out those shorts, nothing gets awkwardly cut off on the sides. Man, so on that channel, a six years ago content, like that channel's so old that I even have like at, at my end screens there, there's like videos playing because we used to have to draw the annotations, you know, around them. So there's actually like videos playing in the end screens and stuff like it's a mess. So I've got like lower thirds that are definitely cut off and just like some of them. But when I was putting those together, yeah, definitely trying to keep some of that in mind. But in some cases and some of that older content, um, you know, no, nothing you can do, but like moving forward, that's like, that's a power tip in order to make it easy to, uh, to reuse. Also, another thing is I used to jump around the screen a lot. So basically when I was making content, I would start out over here and then I would, you know, come in from the middle and then I would come in over from this side and then come in over from this side again. And, uh, and that made it almost impossible to use certain parts of some of the ones that I really wanted to use as well. So let's keep on trucking. Um, we've got number six here. Um, let me actually really quick get this up on the screen just in case you don't know. So as a content creator, I just wanna jump in here and just let you know really quick, for those of you that are hanging out here, we made a, a music service for you. Um, that music service is free for you to use in your content where you don't have to worry about any you know copyright headaches and all that stuff. Um, you can find out more about that at creatormix.com or if you go to creatormix.com slash stream, you'll see all the places you can you know um, actually download the music, you can stream the music and all of that, but you can find out more about that at creatormix.com. Um, so next up, we've got... Um, K Skis, K Skis says they upload when they have time. They've been on YouTube for a year or more. They do gaming and reaction content. The goal of the channel is to get back to recording actually entertaining videos. The question, morning, Nick, morning, cheers. Hope that you're gonna have an awesome day today. I had a pretty good day. I'm a little bit ahead because I'm over on the other side of the planet. Um, I mean, depending, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's your evening too, I'm not sure. But morning, Nick, I stopped um, making videos because with a lot of things going on and I want to start to get back into it. But the thing is, I have a bunch of family around me and I would feel awkward if I did a video in front of them. But recently, I was watching a YouTuber called Burr and uh, he never talks in his videos, but has a bunch of really amazing edits. So my question is, can I make a video without talking and just let the editing do its course or do I have to find a way to talk? Technically, you can, you know, make silent videos or videos that just have music playing where you're showing some stuff and things like that. Um, Vigard, who um, is uh, in the community here, um, you'll see him pop into the chat from time to time, but he um, edits the videos on my channel. Um, he actually has a whole YouTube channel of silent content. Well, it's not silent, but it's basically like uh, he's not presenting the content or anything like that. He's just showing people stuff. And some of his videos are getting a lot of views. So, um, so you know, the way that he's doing it is, um, is working out. So you definitely have options like that, but you just have to balance out like, okay, with making that type of content, is that the type of content that I want to make or do I want to make another type of content? Because as you start growing your channel around that type of content, if it starts doing well, it's gonna be something that I'm sure you're going to want to commit to and all of that. So you just wanna make sure that 
that is the path that you want to walk, so to speak. And if it's not, if you're like, hey, I do want to be on camera, I do want to, you know, present this content, then in that case, I just recommend you either stay up a little bit later than everybody else, or you go and make your content outside, or you go to a friend's house and make it with a buddy or something like that, so that you can have, you know, that opportunity to do it in the way that you want to do it, um, instead of just doing something else for the sake of, you know, trying to, to, to work around that, um, around that problem. So uh, let's see here. So next up on the list here, we've got number seven, which is normal mode TV. They upload when they have time. Uh, they do video game reviews and video essays. The goal of the channel is to get better um, for now, but eventually be monetized. The question is any advice on how to look at analytics less emotionally or how to avoid running the ups and downs, riding the ups and downs of your most recent upload, man. This is a this is a loaded, power packed question, right here. And before I answer this, I'm, I actually have another question that I that I need to um, that I need to take care of here from Rodsters TV. So Super Rodsters trash. TV says thoughts about promoting your content externally. Some say that it can mess with the algorithm since it doesn't have any knowledge of that audience. So here's the thing is when you are promoting your content externally, that's it's perfectly okay. Like one thing to think about when it comes to promoting your content externally is let's say that I watch one of your videos. I'm gonna share your content somewhere if I enjoy it, right? So because of that, other people are gonna be doing the same thing in terms of sharing your content. But what you wanna do to give yourself the best chance of getting your content in front of the right people that are likely to enjoy the content, likely to subscribe to the content and just interact with it more, um, you wanna make sure that if you are promoting your content externally, that you are sharing your content in places where the audience there is primed for your type of content. So the lens that you wanna view this through is you wanna to think to your Yourself. Okay, let's say I'm going to share it in this like subreddit. Well, based on the things that people are in this subreddit for, um, based on the theme of this subreddit, if this group were to see my content on on, a, on their homepage, like if they were to see it in their mobile feed while they were using the bathroom, then in that case, would they be likely to you know to click on it just based on the thing that they're interested here in this in this subreddit? If the answer to that is yes, then it's a good group to share as long as they allow sharing YouTube videos in there. Um, if the answer is like, well. I don't know, then in that case, it's probably not the best place to, to share because then you're just kind of putting it somewhere that it's not really, you know, invited and people will report you for spam and, you know, things like that. Um, another thing that you want to avoid at all costs is there are subreddits, there's Facebook groups, there's discords, there's all these places where content creators can go and they'll drop links to their videos and they'll try to get people to like subscribe to them um, in exchange for those other people to, 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 you know, or in exchange for them to subscribe to them or they will drop their videos there so that people will watch their videos videos in exchange for them watching their videos. You want to avoid that at all costs. And the reason for that is because those groups, first off, like when you're doing like sub for sub and things like that, like you, that's actually against the terms of service of YouTube or the community guidelines of YouTube. And you can get, uh, you know, you can get in trouble um, if they find out that you're doing that. Um, but in addition to that, um, one thing that you uh, are doing when you're interacting in those types of environments is you are basically having people interact with your content that would not watch it if it did show up on their homepage because they're just doing it in exchange for hoping that you're gonna do something for them. And then let's talk about another thing, which is if you're promoting it via ads, because that's that question comes up here a lot. Um, so if you are promoting your content via ads, one of the things that um, you have to be aware of is that when you are spending money on advertising, people are having your videos, you know, pop up in front of them um, a lot, right? So just in sheer volume, um, you're gonna have people interacting with your content. Um, however, once you turn off your ad spend, you're still going to have to be able to 
reach the people that you're wanting to reach your audience and get them to click on your titles and thumbnails once your ad spend is turned off. So what that means is if you haven't learned how to get people to respond to your content organically on YouTube, which means you're not, you know, spending money um, in advertising, you're not, you know, getting views from everywhere else. But I mean, YouTube giving your views impressions on the platform or showing them to people on the platform, YouTube search, suggested videos, um, your subscription feed, uh, you know, uh, home pages, mobile feeds, all that. Um, if you can't get people to respond there, then what's going to happen is as soon as you turn off your ad spend, everything's just going to stop. So because of that, you want to make sure that you learn how to get people to respond organically. And the best part about that is once you learn how to get people to respond organically, you don't have to spend money on advertising because you learned how to do the thing. So, uh, so because of that, I encourage you to just learn how to get the response on YouTube. But if you do have those groups where you're like, yeah, this would be a great fit for them and they would, you know, they would love this content in that particular case, then definitely it's okay to share your content elsewhere just make sure you're sharing it in front of uh in front of the right people super shark scrapper my man what's up hope you're doing great says um hey nick based on what you just showed a few minutes ago i just created a short from one of my long form vids how's that for rapid Im implementation of learning <laughs> nice love it yeah let's see how it does right let's see how it does see how uh see how you know your um see how people respond to uh see how people respond to that yeah i'm excited like you know with youtube recommending the the your long form content to people that are interacting with your shorts that is so huge like for little things like this and running those experiments like uh yes it's it's awesome really awesome so next up on our list here um we've got uh number eight we are talking about polo maniacs polo polo maniacs says they upload when they have time been on youtube for less than six months they do meme content the goal of the channel is to entertain and make money and the question is how to get more views on shorts. So when it comes to YouTube shorts, um, one, you'll get more views if the thing that you're talking about is more broad in terms of like, since they do show the content to a lot of different types of people, one of the things to think about is when you're, you know, when you are using YouTube shorts, if you, if your content is something that is more broad, then that gives you a bigger pool of people that might enjoy that short. However, if you're making niche, you know, content or very niche content, in that case, you know, you can still get results in shorts, but you're probably going to have a lot of people interacting with your shorts that aren't a perfect fit for it. And if those people are seeing it first, then that, you know, that could end up hurting you <laughs> just because, uh, you know, if they don't respond positively to it and YouTube detects that, then if the system decides to stop testing it against other people, then, you know, you, you kind of lost on that one. However, if the right people see it and the right people enjoy it, then in that case, then, you know, they'll enjoy your short. Um, if they watch at the end and all that good stuff, maybe they loop it, maybe they subscribe and all of that, then in that case, you know, that short, you know, might get another impression, you know, on another person and then based on how they respond to it and so on. So just like long form content, people have to respond positively to the shorts that you're making. So some people like um, Tinkerman uh, Mick, he was in the in the chat here earlier. I don't know if he still is, but he grew his entire YouTube channel, over 100,000 subscribers um, just on YouTube shorts alone. So, you know, you can do that sort of thing. However, you have to learn just like in long form content, what do people respond to? What do people not respond to? Um, let's see here. So next up on the list here, we've got um, Artimo Sylvia says that they are still searching. Um, the type of channel says I'm still searching for its soul. So they're still trying to figure it out. And the goal of the channel is to express my creative side while helping others. And the question is, I finally decided to create a new channel for my podcast as it focuses in a different topic. Should I unlist or delete that content from my main channel? I wonder if YouTube would penalize me for duplicating content. 
So if you have the same exact video and you're uploading it to multiple channels that can, you know, cause you to run into some issues. So to be on the safe side, if that was my content, what I would do is if you started a, an entire channel for that, um, then I would either one, not upload that one video that you uploaded to your other channel um, into that channel and just use that as a way to, you know, spread attention about the podcast and your other channel. Um, but if you're like, hey, I did that because it's not a great fit or because it's way longer than my normal content or something like that, then in that case, if you are putting your content over on that other channel and you're going to upload the same thing, I would take it off of the main channel first. And really to add another layer of, you know, just to be on the safe side, um, I would also go in and I would just do like a slight, you know, just a little bit of editing to it um, just to make it to where it's just a little bit of a different, you know, piece of content that they'll experience on, on that channel. Um, let's see here. It's a little bit extra work, but I'm a big fan of just, you know, playing it safe. <laughs> so uh, let's see here. So next up, um, let's see here. Okay. So this, okay. So this person said that I cannot, um, reference this question on my stream. Okay. So, uh, let's skip that one. So next up we've got, uh, you can do it is the name of the uh, channel. They do daily content. They've been on YouTube for less than a year. They do personal motivation content. Is there anybody else here that does, uh, you know, that does motivational content? If so, um, just, you know, mention it in the chat. Um, motivational content's awesome. D, uh, my brother says that uh, YouTube is a random hawk with duplicate content. Absolutely. Very random. So um, says, hello, Nick, my long videos do not exceed 20 views. However, my shorts are doing better. Do you think I should just do shorts? And when I've grown more then continue doing long videos because it really hurts to put so much effort and not exceed 20 views, thank you. So here's the thing. When it comes to um, your content, when you first start publishing your videos, when you have like, let's say you have a new channel and you're publishing content and it's just not doing that great, you know, right out of the gate. Um, the first thing to know is that YouTube shorts and, and, and long form content are two totally different worlds. So when it comes to the short form content, that content just happens to people. They start at the video. They don't have to choose to click on it. However, when you are making long form content, in addition to making good videos, you also have to learn the skill of packaging up your content in terms of the topic title and thumbnail in a way that will, you know, that will be enticing to the people that you're trying to reach. So a lot of times, if you're having tons of success in YouTube shorts, but you're not having much success with long form content, that means that, you know, that you're good at getting people to, you know, engage in your content while it's short. But when it comes to the long form content, maybe you can't get people to engage as much. And by engage, I just mean like watch it for a longer period of time and then any other action that they might take when they're watching the video. But basically getting people to um, engage for the longer content is just more of a challenge because you need to learn how to get people watching for longer than, you know, 15 or 60 seconds, which is a challenge within itself. Um, in addition to that, you also have that extra layer on top, which is before they even come into that video that they may or may not respond to, I got to get them to click on it. So, you know, so you have to work on those skills. So with your question here saying that, you know, it hurts to put so much effort and exceed 20 views, I totally understand. And one thing that I do want to say is that when it comes to putting in that work and not getting a lot of views, one thing that you might want to think about is what you're doing is you're going through practice. You're going through the process of learning how to do the thing and then over time learning how to do that thing better and better through the practice that you are doing. If you stop working on the long form content and then later you're like, hey, I wanna start doing long form content, then you're gonna be starting at zero again in terms of the long form content because you're still gonna have to go and learn how to do it. So because of 
that if you plan to in the future to be doing this for a while and you want to take full advantage of all of the features that you have on the platform with you know youtube shorts and long form content then in that case i recommend that you continue making long form content even if the views aren't there so that you can work on developing the skill sets that you need in order to learn how to make higher response content that will get more views on it as you get better at putting it together right and as youtube just learns more about you know the content that you're putting out and as they learn more about the people that do and do not um you know decide to uh, interact with your content um let's see here next up on the list oh we had some super chats come in let me um let me get those taken care of here uh really quick so uh, let's see here. So the first one, uh, let's see. We got that one. We got iPhone, Chris, Shark, Scrabber. Okay. Um, Uncle Sue, the old man on the block says, is it okay to do live streams and ODV or video on demand on the same platform? Um, live streams are interviews while ODV are self-help subjects. Is this okay? Um, what is ODV? Do you mean video on demand VODs? Um, or self-help subjects? Is this okay? I should create another YouTube page. I have 2.2 thousand subs right now. Okay, so in terms of live streams and VODs on the same channel, no problem at all. Um, live streams are interviews and the VODs are self-help subjects. Um, that's where you might have a little bit of a problem. So if your interviews are also about self-help subjects, then you're okay. But if you are, if it's a wildly different thing, if you're just interviewing people and just having general conversations about random things, and then your VODs are um, actual, you know, video content, then in that case, um, I really recommend that you do, you know, put them on something separate or not on a separate channel. However, if, um, if, you know, you do talk about motivational things and, you know, all of that um, through the interviews and you're interviewing somebody because they're fired up and they're doing all the, you know, things and all that, um, then in that case, that is complementary to the videos that you are uploading about self-help. So then both of those pieces of content would still be targeted towards the same type of viewer. And then over time, you could figure out like, you know, hey, you know, when I publish these, how do people respond to them compared to, you know, these um, and how people respond to these. And you can figure that out using the grouping feature, which I made a YouTube short about on like Thursday or Wednesday. Um, so you can go check that out just to get a really quick glimpse into like how to find the grouping feature and just some insights that you can pull from it um, just at the surface level. You can pull all kinds of stuff from it, but you know, that quick short shows you how to find it and it shows you um, just some, you know, quick information that you can uh, pull from it when you are comparing, you know, different types of content against each other. So next up, um, we've got Super Steve track. Oatley says, are you using a virtual cam from OBS or vMix to StreamYard? Neither. So I'm actually using 100% um, StreamYard, but um, on the hardware side, so in the computer, I'm using StreamYard, but on the hardware side, um, let me turn the um, thing off here. On the hardware side, I'm using this device right here. It's called an ATEM Mini. Um, this device is a live streaming device, but it's a, also a live stream switcher. So how it works is you see all these numbers here. Um, this supports up to eight different cameras or eight different inputs. Technically, I can hook up a laptop to this if I wanted to show something, you know, through that or, you know, whatever. But basically, this is um, eight different inputs, HDMI inputs that you can use. And then this also has the where you can set up macros to where you can tell it, I want this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time, this camera for this amount of time, back to this camera, then to this camera. And you can tell it like, hey, you know, this is how I want it to, to be. And then you just open up the software and then you hit whatever it is that you pre-programmed and you hit play and then you hit loop and then it'll just go ahead and do all of the, uh, all the camera switching for you. Um, but that is called 
that's called an um, ATEM Mini Pro. Um, this one is the Extreme ISO. They also make a shorter one that is four inputs, um, and they make them that are um, that that can record, and they make them that um, also do not record as well. So you'd have to make that call when you are uh, when you're getting them. So uh, let's see here um, as we keep on going. So Nomadic Introvert Super says, I get a lot of offers for collaboration and sponsorship. Question, I haven't replied to any of the offers because I'm not ready to collaborate or have any sponsor. Am I wrong? Not at all. So, you know, those are also things that it's good to start doing just for the sake of getting the experience and learning how to do them and all that. However, um, it's not a requirement. So, you know, you do you, you stay in your lane, you do the things that you wanna do at the pace that you wanna do them and don't even worry about it. Like if you're like, hey, these people are reaching out and I'm just not, I'm just not there yet. I just don't wanna, you know, I'm just, I just don't wanna, I'm just not there yet. I just don't want to do it. Um, or I just don't want to do it. I don't have to be there yet. I just don't want to do it. Then in that case, that's perfectly fine too. So, you know, the thing with all of this is you get to, you know, like you to do it your way, right? So, um, so in terms of collaborations and sponsors reaching out and all that, if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to do it, then by all means, you know, you don't, you don't have to, there's no requirement to, um, to do those sorts of things. Martin, what's up, man? Hope you're doing awesome. Says, uh, Martin says that he just had a eureka moment um, from the thoughts says, how do you use shorts to genuinely compliment my genre of content? Very excited now. Thanks yet again. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to see, uh, glad to see that. Um, Demons Row says, Nick, um, I use the A6400 when I go live. My guests came on with iPhones and had better quality. Yeah, man, new phones right now are incredible. They're absolutely incredible. Lighting also makes a really big difference um, as well. So, you know, with, with, like the new iPhones and stuff, it's ridiculous how good the quality is. Even the old iPhones and some of the newer, um, like Android, you know, phones, some of the Samsungs and stuff, like the cameras are getting completely out of, completely out of control. It's awesome. Steve Oatley Super says, um, here's my last question. Says, I have a Canon EOS um, T8i. Um, any idea how to keep it on? Um, I have a dummy battery, no card, but it still sleeps after 30 minutes, although settings say otherwise. So there's some software you might wanna try called uh, SparkoCam. I'll be straight up with you, it's a little bit buggy. Sometimes like you'll have everything and everything will be set up and then out of nowhere, it will just kind of refresh and it'll have like a watermark on it and you'll have to go in and like re-put your license in and all that stuff. But in terms of holding the camera open, um, it's really good at that. So Canon has EOS software um, just by itself. You can definitely try that one to where it basically turns your camera into a USB, um, you know, to where you can just plug it in via USB and then it reads it and then you can use it for your streams. So there's that um, and then that will, that should hold the camera open as well and then um, if that doesn't then i would just try a trial of sparko cam and see if that um see if that does the trick for you super chat um have you been able to get the model number of your and this is from david mcgill thanks for that david says have you been able to get the model number of your dell tilted monitor so i have and off the top of my head i can't remember what it is so um let's see here how would I be able to find this quickly? Um, if I go into my settings, maybe here, let me just see, you know, if I, let me just see if I can pull this up for you just really quick. So let's see here, we've got display, multiple displays. No, it's not gonna be there. Advanced display. Okay, so it looks like we have, um, let's see here, C2, no, I think that's the Samsung. Okay, so it's a Dell, I got it. So it's a Dell P as in Paul, two four one eight h as in harry t is in tom and, and and harry tom should not be used together 
<laughs> so, uh, so hopefully that got you taken care of there on that. So another really cool thing about this monitor, check this out. So I didn't know this when I got it, but um, through looking around online, I don't know if you're gonna be able to see this or not, but but check this out. I can, it, it's touchscreen also. So I can just grab it um, or I can just touch it and I can, I can move stuff around. Um, and just kind of slide comments around. I can, you know, press on stuff to, uh, to, to bring stuff on screen, you know, like whatever. Yeah, so it's like a, so it's a touch screen too, which was a pretty awesome, you know, an awesome, exciting thing, uh, exciting thing for me. So uh, let's see here. Next up on our list here, hopping back into the form here for the questions, we've got uh, GTA Tips is a six-year-old channel. They made sure to make that note. Um, they do daily content. They've been on YouTube for one year or more. They do gaming content. The goal of the channel is to grow big, have fun, and make some money. I don't know why I say it that way. Just fun, I guess. <laughs> but the question is, Want to make co-streams with other streamers around the world. This probably means a site somewhere out there where multiple face cams, multiple mics, and one stream can be connected and mixed together. Do you know any services that can do that? Tell you what, it's your lucky day. I'm actually using that service. It's called StreamYard. Just go to StreamYard.com. I get a link to them down in the description as well. Um, with StreamYard, basically when you are streaming, you can just copy a link and you can send that to somebody via email or messenger or whatever. And um, and they just click on that link and they can come in on a phone, on a computer, like whatever it is that they need to come on, come in on, um, tablet, you know, whatever. And, um, and you can have those interactions uh, all within StreamYard. And then their mics are gonna come in, you know, with them. Um, and then, you know, you can be at home and your mic's gonna come in with you it's it's fantastic for that if you stick around for later in the stream um i'm having roberto blake on and we are going to um be you know talking about some stuff later in the stream so um you'll be able to see exactly how that works and how smooth it is um as well um so let's see here next up on our list we got speak english with this guy zen plays welcome to the stream i hope that you are doing fantastic congratulations on hitting your um hitting a thousand there nice work aperture movement nice to see you in the stream positive academy um, welcome to the stream as well so um, let's see here. So Speak English with this guy has um, been on YouTube for one year or more. Um, the type of channel is an English learning channel. The goal of the channel is to become the most helpful English teacher on YouTube. I love that. Um, the question is, I should hit 10,000 subscribers this week. <laughs> clapping for you. Let's, let's, clap for, uh, let's clap for this one. Love it. Clapping for you. Um, but I should hit 10,000 subscribers this week, but since I started the channel, my views come from roughly 75 to 80% subscribers and um, verse non-subscribers. How can I reach a wider audience yet stay within my niche? Thanks. So when it comes to tapping into people that are not already you know, engaged in your channel, um, a lot of times that comes down to how you package your content. Um, because, you know, when you are making content um, topically that your audience, you know, responds to or that they, you know, typically enjoy, in that case, um, then, you know, a lot of other people are also interested in that content as well. But right now, you must be having trouble getting them to actually click on your content and come in and enjoy it. So because of that, um, one thing that you want to think about is when you're trying to push into bigger audiences, the way that YouTube works is when you, you know, when you're, when you're publishing content, you know, topically, if that topic um, isn't a broader topic, then right out of the gate, you are limiting yourself in terms of the reach that that video might have based on the, the lower amount of people that might be interested in it. So it also comes down to how you're packaging it up. So for example, we're just talking about the A10 Mini and I like to use this one as an example anyway, but 
when you are starting at the topic level, um, just to give you an example of how you would put this together in two different scenarios, starting at the topic level, if you um, have this ATEM Mini and you're wanting to get it in front of you know people, um, a limited way to do that would be to make a review of the ATEM Mini, like ATEM Mini, you know, ATEM Mini Pro, whatever, whatever version of it you do. But basically, if you do like a review of the ATEM Mini, it's like, hey, this is good. A lot of people are going to be buying this thing. This is fantastic. I can give them the information, so on and so forth. However, the people that are going to be looking for that A10 Mini, they already have to know about the A10 Mini Pro. If it shows up on a homepage, you know, your things like, you know, A10 Mini Pro review, then in that case, because you're optimizing around the A10 Mini Pro, they got to know what it is to even care about it in the first place, right? Um, so by doing that uh, or by taking that approach, you're limiting the amount of people that would be able to respond to that content. However, if you have a thumbnail, um, do I have it? No, it's not, it's not available right now. I was gonna just grab one to show you. But if you have a thumbnail, we'll just use my phone for now. If you have a thumbnail, let's say this is the A10 Mini Pro and you have a thumbnail and you're like, you know, all up in the screen and you're kind of, you know, doing like this or whatever. And your, your packaging is, you know, this device changed the way that I live stream, you know, forever. Um, or this device, you know, um, changed how I live stream or this device, uh, you, know, um, you know, helped me level up my live streams or, you know, was a game changer for my live streams or whatever you want to do then what happens is somebody doesn't have to know about that advice. What you just did by making a small twist, or not small twist, but what you did by deciding to make it, you know, a video about the A10 Mini versus just a review of the A10 Mini, and you decide to package it up that way, is instead of somebody having to know about the A10 Mini for that video to make sense, now anybody that live streams can be interested in that particular video because then it's not, hey, this is a A10 Mini review to where they have to know about it. Now they just have to know about live streaming or they have to be a live streamer. And then by doing that, what you do is you open up the amount of people that that video would be um, suitable for and that it'll be identifiable to um, if it shows up to them on a homepage or, you know, suggested. So because of that, hey, thanks, uh, Jerry. So because of that, you want to make sure that when you are packaging up your content, when you're deciding topically what videos to make, that you are considering, okay, is there a way that I can put this together that would help me reach a more broad audience with this topic? Is there a way that I can just slightly modify it or that I can just you know, frame it that would also help it be suitable for a more broad audience so that you can get a much bigger uh, or much more people to uh, respond to it. <laughs> D, yeah, I'm getting picked on. D is like, get him, Jerry. <laughs> so next up on our list here, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got Love and Hope Can. They upload one time per week or more. They've been on YouTube for less than six months. They do motivational and inspirational content. The goal of the channel is to uplift those who are hurting. And the question is, what is considered long form video? How many minutes? Technically, anything over 60 seconds is uh, is is long form content, technically. Because if it's under 60 seconds, excuse me, if it's under 60 seconds in vertical, then it'll be, you know, it'll end up in the, in the short shelf. But technically, I mean, you could have, you know, uh, a horizontal video that's also under 60 seconds that wouldn't show up in the short shelf. Um, technically, you know, you could have that as well. But by long form, what I mean by that is it typically means content that people will just you know, watch for a longer period of time or content that won't be in the short shelf. So, you know, long form could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes, an hour, you know, all of that. But 
really the, the 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 thing that I'm trying to say when I say long form content is content that isn't going into the short shelf. Uh, next up, we've got Love and Hope Can. Oh, this is what we just did. Okay, so let me go next. We've got, uh, we're on number 15 already. We're mowing through these. So Most Wanted Genius, I like that name, says that they are getting ready to start their channel, but they don't have one yet. The type of channel is gaming. Says, um, let's see here. If Nimmin is a pro player in Valorant, I will upload his best clips and make highlights. I've actually never even played Valorant. Uh, but the goal is I have skill issue, but I love making videos. And the question is, I'll make a montage of content creators and their gameplays without permission. Is that fair use even? Technically, because you are making a montage, technically, you know, you, that would fall under fair use. However, that is not legal advice. You know, I recommend that you do contact an attorney because there are, you know, a lot of details when it comes to fair use. So because of that, I would put together the type of content that you are wanting to put together and, um, and, and basically pay whatever fee you have to pay for one consultation with a, with a copyright lawyer and ask them. And you can find them online if you don't, you know, have somebody locally, um, but you want to run it by them to see if you can, uh, you know, to see if it would clear or not. Next up, we got um, Michael W. Cook. They have been making videos for less than a month. They're an author. The goal of the channel is to support their books. And the question is, is it possible to remove ads on your, your videos if your channel is monetized? So here's the thing, is if your channel is not monetized, then YouTube um, can run ads. I mean, you're uploading to their platform. They have the right to do that. So they run ads on your um, content. And that's something that they just started doing fairly recently, by the way. A smart move on their part. They should have been doing it you know, for a really long time. However, when it comes to being in the partner program, once you are in the YouTube partner program, then if you want to turn your ads off, then you can do that. And then YouTube won't show ads on the videos from that point. Next up on our list here, um, we've got Social In is the channel. They make their videos on an iPhone. It's a shorts channel. The goal of the channel is 100,000 subscribers, but they are at 1.9,000 at the moment. And the question is, so I've been uploading videos for less than one year and I could spam if I want, but now I can only post two vids a day because I got some type of copyright limit, so I can't post. It says daily upload limit reach, wait 24 hours. And it's so annoying and I've been watching vids how to get it away but it doesn't work. So if you are under, you know, some type of limit on YouTube, there's no way to get around it. Um, so when you are just some, you know, quick information for everybody to know, if you are limited on one YouTube channel, using another channel to circumvent that limit um, can also get you into trouble on YouTube as well. So you wanna make sure you avoid that. What that means is if they've limited you here, making a new channel just to upload you know more of that content um, that you would normally be uploading here even though that would probably go undetected that still you know could get you in trouble if for whatever reason they were to figure that out um, but that is more about like if you end up you know like let's say you get your live streaming privileges taken away so then you make a community post and you're like hey i'm gonna be live streaming over here instead then that's where you can like really get yourself into um, some hot water but um d also mentioned um in this case d they said that it was some type of copy right limit. Um, but one thing that uh, D mentioned here is you also want to make sure that you are verified as well, just in case you are not verified. Um, um, just in case you're not verified. I said, um, like three times while I was saying that Jerry. <laughs> so we've got so I jumped to super chat and I didn't circle back. Okay, so what camera and mic? Super I will chat. I will get to that. Thank you for that. So what camera and mic do I use? So the cameras I use, um, this one, 
Sony a6500 with a Sigma 16 millimeter 1.4 lens. Sony a6500, Sigma 16 millimeter 1.4. Sony a6500 with a 35 millimeter lens. Uh, this one is a Canon 90D with a 10 to 18 millimeter lens on it. Nothing there. Um, this one is a Sony ZV-1. This one's actually not in the stream today. And we have this one, which is a GoPro. I just call it my gear cam, just for when people ask questions about the gear. For the mic, um, this is a Shure SM7B. I was actually going to test. I also have a Rode Broadcaster back here. I was gonna test on the stream today. Um, I forgot that I had it. Somebody gave it to me at VidSummit. And, uh, and I would just use it from here and there. But since I moved, I just put it in a box and I just forgot that I had it. And I was rummaging through some stuff the other day and, and I found it and I was like, oh my gosh. So I swapped it out for my pod mic um, back there for that. So if I'm doing voiceovers and stuff, it's just a better quality mic. Um, but I was gonna try it here in the stream today. When I plugged it in, I was trying to get everything sorted for whatever reason, the Rodecaster wouldn't power it. I turned on the settings for it. I made sure the phantom power's on, did all the stuff. And uh, for whatever reason, it just didn't, uh, it just didn't, didn't take it. So uh, I came back to this one. So the next one on our list here, Super Chat. Says, I started my channel yesterday and I gained 108 subscribers in a day. Congratulations. That's a um, that's a nice start. Keep in mind, um, you know, hopefully all of that is happening organically on the platform in terms of you publish the video and then people, you know, YouTube is showing your content to people and people are coming in and they're interacting with the videos. Um, hopefully that is your scenario and congratulations to you for getting yourself off to a really, really good start. Next up on our list here, we've got Social In. We got that one already, I believe. Jerry, Papa Andrea. This one's probably just gonna be about my about my fillers. <laughs> Says food reactions and recipes is the type of channel. The goal is to build a community around delicious food and have some fun in the process. And the question is, your streams get a consistent number of viewers through the duration within some margin of error. Hypothetically, what actions would you take to increase concurrent viewers while you're live? Um, what I would do technically, if I was like, Hey, I want to try to get as many viewers in here as possible is I would actually break my live stream up into either, um, and I'd probably break it up into three, one hour sessions. So then I would have three different live streams and I would cascade the handoff to each one. So as I was, you know, streaming, I would say, okay, we're going to be right back. You know, we're going to switch over to another stream. And then I would have it cascade into that next scheduled stream. And then I would just go in and I would hop into that stream and do all that. So that, um, the freshness of that content. Hey, he's live. Hey, he's live. So I show up on more homepages and things like that. Um, I would take that approach um, in terms of trying to, you know, get more concurrent viewers in here. In addition to that, another thing I would do is I would actually promote it more because outside of the live stream, I don't really promote it that often. Every now and then I'll mention it in my news segment, but outside of that, it's not something that I really promote. I also, in some cases, I would publish it uh, on a Friday and, you know, get the word out that way. Um, but now, because I do the news segment on Friday, I don't do that. So now I'm just publishing it just right before I go live about an hour or two. And um, and that's really not that much time to, you know, let everybody know I'm going live. So what I'm relying on is, you know, the people that you guys that are that, you know, know this happens and that come in and hang out in the stream. So then once I go live, you know, I'm live. So then you come onto YouTube um, for it. And by doing that and just participating initially, that helps YouTube show the content to more people, which helps us, you know, get off and um, get off to the races, so to speak. Next up on our list here, um, we've got Vermont Paint and Patio says they do daily content. They've been on YouTube for one year or more. The type of channel is uh, acrylic artist live streams. 
The goal of the channel is to share and help others create art. And the question is, how important is using self-made thumbnails rather than YouTube created? So custom thumbnails on YouTube, if I, if I remember the correct stat, uh, over 90% of the most successful videos on YouTube have custom thumbnails. So because of that, um, historically, custom thumbnails work better. Of course, you can test it, figure out, you know, on your channel, if you if YouTube's click-through rate ends up being better than what it is that you make, but there's a really good chance, unless you are just horrible at thumbnails, really good chance that the uh, thumbnails that you make are going to get a better response. And the reason for that is because you are going to be better if you understand your audience, who it is you're trying to reach. You are going to be better at packaging it up and kind of selling it from the outside compared to, compared to YouTube. My pleasure. My pleasure, uh, Jerry. Next, round number 20 already. Ooh, it's like lightning. Um, it's me, Danielle. Uh, let's see here. The type of channel is vlogging and pranks and a lot of others. Um, the channel name is it's me, Danielle. Um, the goal of the channel is to be successful and it's fun. And the question is, I need help with subscribers. Can you help me with that, please? I only have 23 subscribers. I need help. So one thing that I can't do is I can't tell people in this stream, like, hey, go subscribe to this channel. Um, but one thing that I can do is I can tell you that this entire live stream, the questions that we answered here, a lot of these, um, you know, a lot of the questions that will come through here today will be about how to get subscribers and all that. Plus, I have an entire YouTube channel with over 500 videos on it that a lot of that content, there's a bunch of videos in there also that will teach you all kinds of information about growing a YouTube channel getting views, making money from YouTube, all the different aspects of YouTube, making thumbnails, you know, all the stuff. Um, I've got videos for it. So if you do have a question about anything that you're doing on the platform, definitely hit YouTube search, type in my name. And then after my name, type in whatever problem it is that you're having or you're trying to solve. And there's a really good chance uh, one of my videos is going to come up there. Next. We've got GTA tips again. I think this is the same one, but I'm not sure. So I'm gonna answer it anyway. They do gaming content. The goal of the channel says I started because I gamed a lot. Now I have 2,500 videos, no views and 3,000 dead subscribers having fun, want to grow and make money. Question, I had this deadlock. No subs equals no views. No views equals no subs. Uh, not necessarily. So um, of course, no views equals no everything because you have to get views in order for everything else to happen. But no subs doesn't necessarily mean no no views but anyway tried for years to break that deadlock i tried a lot in the community tab no results we got shorts uh, i got more views but still no subs i try to improve content all the time but need to break through the deadlock or something any ideas try something that you haven't done before so there's a really good chance that you are making content and you are kind of just doing it the way that you think it should be done. Try to do something wildly different than what you've done in the past. And by wildly different, I mean, write your titles in a different way, make your thumbnails in a different way, put the content together in a different way, do everything wildly different than what you're currently doing because what you're currently doing isn't working. So because of that, you need to experiment with different ways to try to get people to respond to your content. So what you need to do right now is you need to look at it instead of looking at it from the perspective of, you know, I've got like 3000 subscribers, look at it from the perspective since nobody's responding to your content, look at it from the perspective of I'm starting at zero. So therefore I have to, you know, try to do something that's different than what I'm currently doing that's not working in order to try to figure out how to get over this hump. Another thing you could do 
is if you think that for whatever reason, it's something associated to the channel or, you know, something like that, then of course you can experiment with, you know, having another channel. But if you're like, hey, I want to keep this when I've got all my content here and all that, then I would just try to do something wildly different um, in terms of how you're putting the content together, editing the content, presenting the content, what you're doing with your thumbnails, what you're doing with your titles, how you're hooking people when they first come into the videos, like all of it, like just look at it and think, okay, what can I do with this part of it? It's going to be different than what I've been doing for the last year. Another thing too is, you know, along those lines, you know, a lot of times if we're publishing content and people aren't responding to it, a lot of times, you know, we, we could just need to go back to the drawing board on trying to, uh, trying to, you know, make sure that we are, uh, you know, understanding the, the, the wants and needs of the people that we are trying to reach with our content and the things that they care about, the things they're interested in and all that, because if we don't, then in that case, then what we're doing is we're just kind of doing the thing without, you know, without considering the viewers. And if we want other people to watch our content, if we just want to watch it ourselves, then none of this matters. But if we want other people to enjoy our content, then we have to make sure that we're making content for other people. And in a lot of cases, that means that you're probably gonna have to do more work. Um, you'll probably have to, you know, edit your videos more. You might have to spend more time in your thumbnails and titles and, you know, doing the whole thing. But if you want other people to, interact with the content, then, you know, in a lot of cases, that's what's required. Uh, Renee Ritchie makes the suggestion of see if you can trend Jack by tapping into popular topics. Yeah, and a great way to do that. I'm not sure if I've done this. I think I might have done it in the last live stream uh, that we did last Saturday. But basically, you have Google Trends that you can go to. And in your case specifically, to, to leverage what he's talking about here, um, since you do make content around Grand Theft Auto, then you can go there and you can look for any breakout information. So you just go to Google Trends, put in GTA, Grand Theft Auto, GTA 5, all those things. And then you want to scroll down to the uh, bottom of the results page there. And you're going to see a little breakout area and start looking there. Make sure you set your date range to something recent and all that but you want to make sure that you are looking in that area for anything that's breaking out right now around GTA. Great suggestion there, uh, Renee. So next up, we've got uh, Damon Varial. Damon Varial says that they do investment advice in crime documentaries. It's a hobby channel. And the questions are, my channel is now big enough where I cannot keep up with responding to comments. I try to respond to comments the first hour or so after uploading, but pretty much ignore comments after that. Will this affect how YouTube promotes my videos and my channel? Um, not necessarily, but it might it might impact how often people respond to your con how often people comment. So when you are interacting with your comment section and people are leaving comments and they see that you answer their comments instead of them just wasting their time, you know, uh, just leaving a comment that you might not see, if you give them just a little bit of acknowledgement, that acknowledgement can just be a heart that comes into it. Um, that can be enough to keep people commenting on your videos. So when people comment, you know, they're wanting to give their opinions, their feedbacks. They want to let you know what they're thinking about the video and all that. Like that's your community, the people that are commenting on your videos. So because of that, you want to make sure at least people that are returning and commenting on your videos. So because of that, you want to make sure that you are giving them, you know, some type of uh, acknowledgement that they are that you've seen their comments. So YouTube has the heart feature, which is great for this. So what that means is you don't have to go in and answer every single comment, but answer the ones where, you know, they've put in a little bit of effort into their comment and it's a longer comment and it's like, okay, they put some thought into this. Let me make sure I answer that one. Um, but for the little ones that are like, hey, great video. Thanks for making this. Uh, hey, that was awesome. Or, you know, whatever. Just, you, you can heart those. Those are fine. And then you can just move through your comments a lot faster. Another thing as well is uh, there's some tools you can use for this. So, 
YouTube Studio has an option where uh, if you're not using the YouTube Creator Studio app or the YouTube Studio app, I really recommend that you do so. And the reason for that is because they have the area where it, it, it curates all of your comments into this one section here. And then you can just burn through them on your phone, you know, really fast. In addition to that, um, if you are a TubeSpanner user, TubeSpanner has something called Comment Magic. And with Comment Magic, what that does um, is, you know how YouTube puts in some canned responses for some of your comments if you're on a desktop? With Comment Magic, it does that too for all of the ones that don't already have that canned response from YouTube. So then that gives you just a little bit of a lead so you can answer comments a little bit more quickly as well. I got a link to TubeSpanner down in the description if you want to check that out. So uh, let's see here. Next up on the list here, we've got uh, Elite Barbecue Smokers. Elite Barbecue Smokers, they upload one time per week or more. They've been on YouTube for less than a year. And uh, the type of channel is food, grilling, and barbecue. And the goal of the channel is to share a passion and encourage others to go out and try to grill or barbecue. And the question is, why is it that by short get views for about an hour and then it goes radio silent? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, my guess would be that they are putting the content in front of people that are, you know, that are, you know, they put it here, people respond to it, and then they start testing it to, towards different audiences, and they don't respond to it as much as that core, um, that initial core group does. That would be my guess there. Um, but in terms of, you know, the exact reason, you know, go in, look out, and see how your shorts are performing. So basically what you want to do or how you would see that is you would go in and you would look to see how they perform. Um, you would sort, or you would basically adjust the date range, and you would see how they perform, you know, initially, and then, of course, you would expand that date range, excluding that first, you know, like hour, that first day, and just see, you know, the response different that you, uh, the response difference that you get there. And then that'll just give you kind of like visually of like, okay, that's why this is happening. Um, but it could just be that they're, they end up showing your content to the wrong people that, that don't respond to it. So uh, let's see here, or they test it heavily and then, you know, it just doesn't get the result compared to other shorts that are, that they're promoting or showing people at that moment in time. I, I shouldn't say promoting, that's the wrong way to say it, but um, that they're showing people at that moment in time. So the next question that we have here is from Grandma's Garden. Grandma's Garden says that they don't have a channel yet, but they're getting ready to start it. Um, it's gonna be a gardening channel. And the goal of the channel is to help people grow non-GMO or, or organic fruits and veggies. And the question is, best choices for storing um, pre- production videos that will be utilized in the future. It can get voluminous. Yes, it can. So when it comes to making video content, you are going to fill up hard drives like crazy over time if you make a lot of content. So for this, um, of course, you can go the really high technical route, which is setting up like a RAID um, hard drive system to where it's basically a series of hard drives that you put together, they clone each other. And if one of them fails, you just kind of swap that one out and you put another one in and then you're good to go and you have that stuff backed up. Another option, if you don't wanna go that route is you can just take external hard drives. You can save everything to external hard drives. Keep in mind, it's a little bit risky. So if you want that extra layer of protection, then in that case, you just save it to OneDrive, clone that drive so that you always have, you know, two versions of what it is that you have in case you drop one when you're taking it out or whatever. Um, in addition to that, if you wanted to, you can also, uh, you know, store things in the cloud that can get expensive though. So you have to make sure that you are, you know, balancing out, you know, budget and all of that. So if you are going to store it in the cloud, I would not use Dropbox for that. Um, we do, but a more cost effective way to do it would be using something like Amazon S3 because their storage is just stupid cheap. Um, so if you are deciding to store it in the cloud, I recommend looking for a solution um, like Amazon S3. Next up here um, in the list here, Doug mentions, uh, Doug Houston said that NAS, externals, cloud services like Backblaze um, as well. 
Um, the next question here is from Bootleg Bass Fishing. Bass Fishing. They upload when they have time. They've been on YouTube for less than six months. It is a fishing channel. The goal of the channel is to share my love of fishing and to help beginner bank anglers catch more bass and eventually turn it into a form of income. Question, I started a channel a few months ago knowing nothing about YouTube, titles, hooks, power of thumbnails, etc. They were terrible videos. The content looked forced and awkward due to me trying to hide my Southern accent. Do you say y'all a lot? <laughs> hey, y'all, welcome to another video. But I tried to hide the uh, Southern, I grew up in the, in the Midwest, so I get it, family, you know, in Kentucky, all that, I, I totally get it. Um, the thumbnails and titles were terrible as well. I'm currently filming, editing, and making videos and where I show my personality and accent. Should I delete the first few videos that bombed or leave them and update the titles and thumbnails? Thank you for doing what you do. I'm at least attempting to make quality content because of your videos and lives. It's awesome. So first off, I want to say the fact that you're taking the authentic route and not trying to hide who you are, that's awesome. Um, that's absolutely awesome because then that you're, you're, you're more likely to have people connect to you by doing that. Um, two, when it comes to the first videos that you put out, you can update the titles and thumbnails if you want, um, but before you do that, I would go in and look at your click-through rate on those compared to the impressions that you have, look at the retention on that video, and just see the people that were responding to this, the people that did click on it, how far did they get in the video, um, is it worth updating the title and thumbnail on this based on how people responded to the actual video content. So if you go into your, if you go into your videos for each individual video, you'll see an audience retention report. That audience retention report is a second-by-second -second indication of how people respond to your content on average on uh, you know when they're interacting with it um, if you dig deeper into that report you also have relative audience retention which shows you how your videos perform against other videos of similar length on the platform so that can start to give you a general idea of if those videos you know perform you know each part of that video um, if it's performing well or not compared to other videos of similar length also. So I would look at that first because if the videos themselves sucked and like you couldn't get people past the first, you know, like 15 seconds of that video, then in that case, it might not be worth, you know, even bothering to update the title and thumbnail. However, if you're like, hey, you know, people responded to this like, okay, but maybe it wasn't amazing, then in that case, absolutely go and update your title and thumbnail. And one more thing just to mention as part of this, keep in mind, that when you are updating your title and thumbnail, your title and thumbnail do create that expectation for the video content. So it is possible that even when you do see a audience retention report that doesn't look great, it could be because it was packaged inappropriately. So if you do go in and update the thumbnail and title, that can also have an impact on the audience retention as well. But keep in mind when you do make those changes, when you do update anything in terms of your thumbnail title, it will cause the humans that are interacting with YouTube, the users, to interact with it differently based on how you're packaging it. And that different could be good or it could also be bad. So just keep that in mind when you are in there, you know, tinkering with stuff and when you're in there, you know, making those changes that it can help you, but it can also hurt. But if they're already not doing well, then in that case, you know, the only thing you can do is help those videos out if they've already tanked. Next on our list here. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. So next up, we've got Retro the Emperor. Retro the Emperor uploads every other day. They've been on uh, YouTube for one year or more. Um, they make content on their laptop. It's original music content. The Gold Channels, I want to make money telling my life story. And the question is, my videos are getting 150 impressions each. I don't think that I'm uh, lacking watch time or anything. My average viewer retention is 94%, but my channel doesn't grow. My CTR is 40% average video or average per uh, video, but the number of impressions stayed the same for multiple years. Um, 
Yeah, so if you're getting 150 impressions, that's not a lot of impressions, um, just as a heads up there. So 150 impressions, that's um, 150 places on YouTube that somebody or that, that the system has showed your videos to. So what I recommend that you do is, um, is I would actually try uploading because you're talking about these have stayed the same for multiple years. So I don't know if you are, oh no, you say you upload every other day. So let me, I'm actually gonna look at your channel here real quick and just kind of see what it is that you're doing um, just so I can, so I can make sure to, to say the, the, the right thing here. Okay, so this one had like 667 views a month ago. So you're definitely getting more than 150 impressions. So the issue might be that you're actually looking at the stats wrong. Okay, so you've got this one here, 53 views. You've got this one, you know, five days ago, 84 views. So you're getting views. But a couple things to think about is, um, is you are having, you know, you're putting out this content of these like retro visualizers and stuff like that. You know, keep in mind that if you are trying to have people, you know, come in and like listen to this, I would definitely try to make it a little bit more appealing from the outside because right now your thumbnails, um, you're just, you know, you're kind of standing there and you're doing like a selfie in a mirror, it looks like, and you have some text underneath it. Um, I would try to just make the thumbnails just a little bit, not even a little bit. I would try to make your thumbnails a lot more um, uh, compelling and a lot more informative in terms of that, you know, this might have something to do with music so that you can, you know, pull people, pull people into, uh, pull people into some of this. Uh, let's see here. So next up on the uh, list really quick, Nishan Webb. Welcome to the Nimanati. Welcome to the Nimanati. Make sure next time you get the chance, you go to nimanvip.com. It's going to redirect you to our members only Facebook group. Fill out all the information on the way in. That's how I verify that you are a member. If you can do that before the stream is over today, I will get you, uh, I'll get you in there. As soon as the stream is complete. Next up, we've got... Chan Samai's Kitchen says they upload bi-weekly content. The goal, or sorry, the type of channel is cooking. Goal is I want to share my talent with the community around the world, get monetized and earn some side income. And the question is, I heard some people say that if your language is not English and you make videos by talking in your native language, the YouTube algorithm will only push your videos to people that use the same language is not um, pushed to a broader audience. Is this true? Okay, what I want you to think about is if you don't speak English in your videos, if YouTube shows your videos to somebody that doesn't speak English, then those people are not going to respond positively to your videos because they're going to click on them. They're going to under, they're going to realize they can't understand what you're talking about. And they're going to leave. So because of that, one of the things that YouTube does is they are trying to help users of the platform, people you know that are actually coming on YouTube to watch videos. They try to help them or they try to show them the right videos at the right time that they are the most likely to enjoy. YouTube's job isn't to promote your content. YouTube's job is to, or their their goal is to show, you know, that right content to the right viewer at the right time so that they can keep their viewers, the people that are, you know, watching all the ads and you know, all that stuff, so they can keep them happy and keep them coming onto YouTube on a regular basis. So what happens is, is when you make a video in a language that is not English, and then people that speak English start interacting with that content, and they start bailing on that content, YouTube picks up on that. And then when YouTube picks up that the people that speak this language that are interacting with YouTube, they're not 
digging this, then what's going to happen is they're going to stop showing it to those people. And they're going to start showing it to more of the people that speak the same language, because those are going to be the people that are more likely to actually respond positively to that content. So that's what's going on. So the same exact thing applied. If I were to be speaking right now in this live stream, if I were to be speaking another language that you didn't understand, then you wouldn't be hanging out in this live stream because you wouldn't even be able to understand what I'm saying. So, um, so it's not that they're like trying to limit your content. It's that the viewers that are interacting with YouTube, the English speaking viewers are not interacting with your content. It doesn't even make sense to put your content in front of them as well. So inside of your settings, there's that little setting about, you know, the language of the video. And that's one more thing that helps YouTube understand who is a good fit for that particular video. So because of that, you want to make sure that you are being um, uh, transparent with YouTube. And if you are speaking uh, like, you know, some other language, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you are marking that there so that you can get in front of the right people with the content that you are publishing. Eric, wait, whiskey studies. What's up, my man? Hope you're doing fantastic. Little Crafty Nook, nice to see you in the stream today. Old Trish, hope you're doing great. Coach Sherry, nice to uh, see you here today. T-Hand 141 Homestead, good morning. Hope you're doing great. Welcome to the stream today. So next up, we've got uh, Autistic Wood Turner. And I think that I actually might have clicked a little bit ahead of time here. Okay, no, I didn't. So Autistic Wood Turner says they do wood turning. The goal of the channel is to get monetized and make a living from it. And the question is, why does my channel go from averaging 40 watch hours for the past six weeks and crash down to 5.5 hours? Um, my content is the same and my niche. A few videos have been in my niche, but not a specific like wood turning a wood plane handle and restoration of the wood plane is a good example. Is it seasonal? So your watch hours in terms of the watch time. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of I'm trying to get monetized and I'm trying to get into the partner program, then what you're seeing is you have 4,000 hours of watch time that, that's rolling that you have to make sure that you are fulfilling over the course of a year to maintain or to get into and then maintain your status as a YouTube partner. So what's happening is every day that passes, the watch time that was accumulated 365 days ago, that watch time goes away. And then every day that passes, when you publish new videos, then those will cause you know a fluctuation in that watch time. So basically what you're trying to do is if you're trying to get in the partner program, you're basically racing the clock in terms of, I gotta make sure that I hit that deadline within 365 days. But as every day passes, you're losing watch time that you've accumulated in the past. So because of that, you have to make sure that you are you know, publishing on a regular basis and doing all those things so that you can make sure that you ensure that you uh, hit those requirements. Kathy Fit, what's up? Hope you're doing great. Nice to see you. Uh, nice to see you here today. Hope you're doing fantastic. Haven't seen you in a while. Hope you're doing great. So, uh, so let's see here. So next up on the list, <laughs> oh, D. D says if it doesn't offend the pigs, I'd like to watch the videos in pig Latin. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be like a fun, like uh, April Fool's thing to where YouTube just made like all videos and like, you know, they they like they made some AI that just went into like all the videos and just kind of swapped words around to make it all pig Latin. That'd be hilarious. But anyway, so Sharina's number one fan says they upload when they have time. They are making Pokemon AMVs and shorts. The goal of the channel is to make people happy. And the question is, hi, I have 6.8 thousand subscribers, but I have small views. How can I get more views? 
it's important to know that everything on YouTube is performance-based. That means that if you are able to make content that people engage with at a high rate in terms of clicking on it at a high rate, plus enjoying that content to a point that YouTube deems it as a satisfactory experience for their viewers, then in that case, they are going to show it to more people. And then out of those more people that they show it to, the more of those people that respond, then you know they're gonna keep showing it to more and more people and so on. And then that just keeps happening over time. So. If you wanna get more views on your videos, it's gonna come down to learning how to make content that keeps people engaged in terms of watching the videos, plus you know other engagement in terms of adding it to playlists and sharing it and you know commenting on it and subscribing and liking it and you know all the other stuff. So you wanna make sure you have all that going on. Um, but you know the, the core thing is making sure that people will watch it for a longer period of time, but you also have to be able to get people to click on it at a, at a competitive rate. And once you do that, then once things get to a competitive level, then what's going to happen is you'll end up start getting more views consistently um, on the platform. Zaggy DK, what's up my man? Hope you're doing awesome. Welcome to the stream today. So next up, oh no, we got Serena's one number one fan already. So next on our list here, we got Baby Choco Bun. And really quick, um, if this is your first time here, I do want to remind you that we do have a free music service for content creators at creatormix.com. So if you are a content creator, you're looking for some music for your videos, live streams, podcasts, courses, anything that you're doing, um, you can find it over at creatormix.com. It was made by my brother D, who's in the chat right now, um, and, uh, and myself, and we are you know basically making that for content creators. So if you are a content creator, um, make sure that you check out creatormix.com. Okay, next up, we've got, oh, hey, uh, we had a super chat come in. Bill, thank you for super the super chat. sticker, my man. I appreciate it. So next up, we got Baby Chaco Bun. Baby Chaco Bun says they're a comedian VTuber dog that is an entertainer. I'm a comedian VTuber dog that is an entertainer. I do comedy shows, cover songs, games, write dark stories, etc. Goal of the channels, I love to entertain and I want to do virtual comedy shows, etc. I have a vision. Question, are you familiar with VTubers? I know what they are um, and I do know because you have the next thing, it's a huge market, I do know that, um, but it's not something that I'm into. It's not content that I consume. It's also not something that I you know, watch just on a regular basis at all. So um, so I'm gonna see what else you have to say here, but, um, but that's my experience with VTubers. Never worked with a VTuber, um, nothing like that. So um, we'll see if I can help or not. <laughs> so it says, are you familiar with VTubers? It's a huge market. Um, the other VTubers, Hold on, stop the presses. We got Brian G. Johnson in the house. What is going on, Brian G? Hope that you are doing fantastic, my man. Nice to see you here in the stream today. Brian G. Johnson, everybody, if you are a YouTube content creator, he also makes videos helping YouTube content creators. So go and look, either click on his name in the chat right here and go to his channel, um, or just look for Brian G. Johnson on YouTube. Go over and subscribe to his channel. He will help you a ton. So, um, Back to the question here says other VTubers are more anime characters and they sing, do gaming streams, lots of lewd. Um, they have a hard, huge following because they're backed up by huge corporations. I'm different because I write my own comedy stories, etc. But the YouTube algorithm is just not pushing out my videos to the right audience. That is your fault. Um, so basically when it comes to YouTube showing your content to the right people, that comes down to what you're making your content about. And that also comes down to how you are optimizing your content by optimizing your content. I mean, specifically what it is that you're doing in your videos, plus what it is that you're doing in your titles and your descriptions, because your titles and your descriptions help YouTube as well as the video content itself. All of those things help give the system context to what your content might be about. So because of that, um, if you are getting shown to the wrong people, it's usually your fault, not the system's fault. Um, when it comes to when it comes to you know like your longer form videos, uh, but anyway. 
but the YouTube algorithm is not showing my content to the right audiences, which I know there's an audience for me. I sometimes feel lost. I will follow your guide and post more videos up. It's hard because of my health condition. I'm trying to save up so that I'm able to animate my model. So yeah, so when it comes to, uh, when it comes to YouTube, you know, not showing your content to the right people, again, it comes down to, you know, you and optimizing your, your content properly so that YouTube can have that better understanding at the time of publish of what your content's about. The system's smart enough to mostly figure out what content is about in a lot of cases. However, if you give it that little nudge, then it's going to just help make things a little bit more clear. So um, there's a podcast out from um, Christoph, who is head of, I think like search and discovery, I think is his uh, role. I can't remember off the top of my head or no, just recommendations, I think with Christoph, um, recommendations in general, not the homepage with Todd, but just recommendations in general. So um, with him, one of the things that he mentioned in this podcast, um, this I think was last year, but one of the things that he mentioned is, you know, give, you know, put some keywords in there, help give the system context of what's going on. And that helps everything, you know, just kind of helps the system better understand what's going on. Again, it can, you know, mostly figure stuff out, but the more help that you give it through the information that you add to your video, um, the better off you are going to be. Get business credit. Thank super you for chat. the super chat. I super appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Says just showing support, Nick. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. it means a lot. Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going, um, we've got next on our list, we've got Asina's next question. Asinas says they upload when they have time. Um, they've been on YouTube for one year or more. They do story time animation content. The goal of the channel is to entertain people with animated stories. And the question is, do you have any tips for channels that aren't able to upload so often where it takes long to make videos? For example, in my case, animation. What are things to do in the meantime to keep a channel alive? So here's the thing. When it comes to those types of channels, any type of channel where it takes a longer time to make the content, the content, when you publish it, it has to be, it, it has to be you know, good content. So what you wanna think about is when you're doing like animation type content is one, depending on the type of animations that you're doing, it's like your thumbnail is gonna carry a lot of weight. The topic and how you frame it is gonna carry a lot of weight. One thing that, that has been successful for a lot of animation channels is also finding things that are popular in the world. Like uh, Renee mentioned earlier, it's called trend jacking, where you essentially find things that are already, you know, popular or on the rise or whatever. A lot of people do this like, you know, movies and stuff like that. But basically you do your animations about um, those things that are already popular. So then you pull people in, not all of your content. You don't have to do this with all your content. You just do some of your content that way so that you can tap into those audiences that are already interested in those things. Um, I don't remember the channel off the top of my head, but I actually ran into a channel on Reddit. They had over um, 250,000 subscribers at the time. But one of the things that they did is they uploaded they uploaded uh, one video. It was like every like month or every three months or something like that. And they had like six videos on the, on the entire channel but they had over 250,000 subscribers. And what they did is, um, is they did this same exact concept and they rode the Marvel universe. So basically as Marvel's putting out movies or you know hyping up movies, letting people know they're coming, things like that, they would do a clever animation about it um, and just kind of, you know, kind of, it was a kind of parody type stuff around, uh, you know, around that universe and, um, and people loved it. And they were sharing their content on Reddit, which is a great place for something like that. And, um, and they ended up getting, you know, a lot of exposure because of that and tons of people subscribed to their content because their animations were also awesome. So, you know, in addition to animating, they have to be awesome. And then you can give yourself that leg up by also trying to, um, you know, uh, you know, tap into things that are already popular if 
that works out with the type of animations that you're doing. But again, you don't have to do it with everything you animate, but you just use those as part of your content strategy for some of the things that you do to be able to tap into those more popular or on the rise things. Coach Sherry. Welcome to the Niminati. Welcome to the Niminati. Make sure next time you get the chance, go to NiminVIP.com. That is our members-only Facebook group. Um, if you can do that before the stream is over today, make sure you fill out all the information on the way in, and then I will um, get you added to the group as soon as the stream is over today. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list, we've got normal mode tv says they upload when they have time the goal of the channel is to get better at making videos for now and the question is sorry to ask the same thing twice but any advice for someone having a hard time separating themselves emotionally from analytics and poor video performance i'm so glad that you answered this twice or you asked this twice and the reason for that is because i think that i didn't answer the original question when you asked it. i think i got sidetracked there and doug actually mentioned that to me and i couldn't place it in my brain i was like you know hey he said that i missed a i started to answer a question that i forgot but i think it was this one actually so i'm pumped that you put this in here twice so uh so basically when it comes to emotionally separating yourself from your stats and um, just how people are responding to your content overall um it's hard it's hard to do. And the reason it's hard to do is because we put so much work and thought and time and effort into making content. And when we, at the time of publish, we're like, man, I, I hope you know people respond to this in the way that I think they're going to. And when they don't, it sucks. And it makes you feel like you wasted time. It makes you feel like you wasted um, effort, that you wasted the thought, that you kind of blew that upload, so to speak. Um, and because of that, you know, it can, it can, you know, have that weight in your brain, so to speak, and take up that that space that it shouldn't take up. So when it comes to detaching yourself, one thing um, that you can do, and this is what I try to do, is try, like when you're in there and you're analyzing everything on your channel, try to look at it like you're looking at somebody else's content. Um, and when you do that and you're in there and you're looking at somebody else and you're thinking of it from the perspective of like, okay, I'm in here and this is somebody else's channel and I'm looking at this and I'm trying to figure out how people are responding to this person's content. It's a little bit of like mental gymnastics, but for me, that helps because then that way it makes it like, huh, instead of like, hey, why did they leave in this part? I was saying something really good here. They should have stayed for this. Like it, it, it takes that away and makes it more of, okay, according to the data here, it's saying that, you know, people left during this part, which means that people weren't digging it here. Let me go look in some other videos and see when I was doing similar things, if that was a, if that seems to be a pattern, if so, then that's gonna be something I'm going to, you know, remove um, in the future. Um, but it's hard, like, you know, making that disconnect is really hard, but if you are going to improve and you're going to continually improve it's something that you have to learn how to do um, but you know the best thing you can do in my opinion is just try to look at it like it's a different channel like it's not your content and you're still i mean you're going to know it's your content you're still going to have some of those feelings um, but you just have to try to you know just kind of separate yourself or just kind of create a little bit of a barrier between you and how people respond and you also have to make sure that you are thinking like when people are responding to your content in a certain way, it's not because they don't like you. It's not because they don't like, you know, maybe a certain thing. It's just because for whatever reason, that moment in the video didn't keep them engaged and they ended up leaving the video. And, and that's, you know, that, that is your fault, but it's not necessarily because they don't like you or they won't ever watch your videos again. It's just that that particular video didn't resonate with them the way that, you know, that, that you would have liked it to. 
So it's a really challenging question. It's a really challenging thing to do um, as well. But you know, the better you can get at that, um, the better it's gonna help you analyze and, and make uh, data-driven decisions instead of you know emotional decisions. Because the data doesn't lie, emotions will definitely lead you in the wrong direction. And you'll see that in some of these questions that come in. Like for example, you know, we had um, one earlier, I believe it was, where somebody said that they made better content than their competitors, but it wasn't getting the results that their competitors were was getting. And it, that's one of those situations to where you know, they're kind of attached to that in terms of like, hey, you know, my stuff is better, therefore it should do better. But, you know, if they if they had access to the data of the competitors, there's a really good chance that they would be able to see in a crystal clear way why their channel wasn't, you know, uh, performing as good as the other one. So next up, we've got... Did I do this one? Normal mode TV. Okay, yeah, we got that one covered. So thank you for uh, thank you for asking that one again. So next up here, we've got Zen Plays. Zen Plays says they upload when they have time. They've been um, on YouTube for less than six months. It's a gaming channel. The goal of the channel is to hit 10,000 by this year, by the end of this year, I think they're supposed to say. And the reason I'm uploading vids is to simply help people have a better day. Question is, well, I was wondering how I can increase my view rate in general due to the fact that my normal streams get only about 100 to 200 views in general, while the giveaway ones get easily over 1,000 views. So here's what happens. So when it comes to giveaways, there is a clear value for the people that are interacting with that content because they might get something out of it. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And then on the other side, here they are again. Man, I'm not even gonna say anything about it. I'm just going to, uh, okay, he's already got those taken care of. Thank you for that. But anyway, um, says, uh, so yeah, so basically when you have the giveaway stuff, then people have that incentive to come in because you're giving something away. When it comes to the content, they're only gonna come into that if they have a reason to come in and enjoy that content, which means that that content is something that they are already interested in. So if you are doing the giveaways, you're getting a thousand views on those, but you're not getting the views on the other stuff, that means you have to either make better content or package that content in a way that makes it a little bit more clear from the outside of what it might be, so that if it shows up on a homepage or a mobile feed or next to another video on the platform, that they can clearly get an understanding of what you know what it is, um, so they can come in and interact with that content. Um, but in addition to that, you also um, have to make sure that you are putting the content together in as best of a way possible. Because here's the thing. So when it comes to the giveaways, you might be getting a thousand views because you're causing a lot of people to click on it. Maybe they skip to the part where you're actually doing, you know, giving the thing away, like on the replay. But when it comes to the one to 200 views in general, one thing you have to also go in and look at is it might, you might be able to get people to click on it. You might be fine there, but you mentioned that you're streaming this. So if you're streaming this, one huge problem with live streams is a lot of live streamers actually do their streams in a way that makes them not good for the replay. So that when people do come in, it ends up causing mass abandonment or people leaving the videos quickly when they come into that video, which then in turn causes the videos to not get shown as much on YouTube because they underperform when YouTube shows them to people. So because of that, one thing that I would do is I would go in and I would look at the retention of your live streams and try to figure out, you know, how people are responding once those streams are public on YouTube, um, like once the stream is complete. Because when it comes to the live streams, one thing that happens is if you don't structure 
the live stream for the replay experience and you're only thinking about the live experience, then it's only good while it's live. And then you'll get some, you know, you'll get some people coming through in the live stream, you know, on the replay. But typically those are people that are already familiar with the content. But for new people um, that aren't familiar with the content already, they're they're not gonna sit through a bunch of like waiting time or countdown timers and that sort of thing because they're clicking on uh, the thumbnail and title and they're expecting a piece of actual content to start playing. So because of that, just keep that in mind and go into your live stream. So a clear example of this, just so you know, is this stream that you're watching right now, right? This stream is made for the community of content creators that are already interacting with my channel, the people that are already, you know, watching the videos and all of that. I actually bleed subscribers in these live streams. Every one of these live streams that I do, um, I have a negative loss in in the total subscriber count for each one of these live streams people leave because of these however my new streams it's still a live stream but it's structured in a way that it's actually made for the replay so it's theirs for the live experience i've had a couple of them where i'll you know stay after i do the actual news and answer some questions and stuff but it's made for the replay so because of that as soon as it starts i have my quick blurb of what it is that they're getting into i jump right into the news all that as soon as it's done i'm like okay that's the news and then i kill it so what that does is one, it's short. So then that makes it good for the replay. But two, as soon as I hit go, as soon as I hit go live, content, 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 right? So it's introduction, you know, hey, this is what's going on. This is what you're gonna get out of this. And it's, it's designed for that replay experience. Those on the other hand, every single one, I'm way positive in, in the subscriber counts that those are causing. So when you set things up like on this stream, one, it's long, which will end up hurting the click-through rate and all that, but two, when the stream starts, I'm like, hey, you know, welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place in the internet, blah, blah, blah. And I go through that whole spiel. Then I'm like welcoming people as they come into the stream, that sort of thing sometimes. Then I have this whole segment about, you know, sponsor stuff and things that are coming up and all that good stuff and all that. And on the replay, all that stuff sucks on the replay. So because of that, if you're coming in, you have experience from, you know, interacting with these streams and all that, you'll probably skip through all of that. But for the replay experience, those that entire section just decimates this thing. Um, but that's okay because I understand that when I'm putting the stream together and the purpose of this live stream is for the live experience, then anybody that's been through this live experience that wants to enjoy it on the replay as well, they can. Um, but in terms of like a new viewer that's never interacted with my content, content before these suck for for growing the channel and you know and getting in front of them so uh so when it comes to the you know the live streams you have to make sure that if you want results out of the live streams that you're structuring them in order to get the results from the live streams next up on the uh next up on the list we've got Cytogen. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I apologize if not. Oh, Cytogen. Okay, got it. So they upload when they have time. It's an educational channel. The goal of the channel is to help learners with topics in mathematics, physics, and computer science. The question is, are there any special tips, tricks, advice for educational content creation? Absolutely. So right here, you just mentioned that your channel helps people with topics in mathematics, physics, and computer science. As you're publishing content, if you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. As you're publishing content over time, one thing that you wanna make sure that you are doing is going into your YouTube analytics. Once you go into your YouTube analytics, um, you can just access this through your creator studio in the back end. 
But once you click into your YouTube analytics, the next thing you wanna do is you want to go into, uh, if you could look in the top right-hand side of the screen, you're gonna see a little option that says advanced mode. Click into that, and then you're going to click on your channel name of all places, and I know it's weird. Technically, you can click on compare to, but it creates an extra step, so just click on your channel name. And then, um, like three tabs over, it used to be the last one, but now it's three tabs over, um, you'll see an option that says groups. Click on that. And then you have the option to create a group, create a group. And then once you create that group, the next thing that you wanna do is you wanna say, okay, here are my last, you know, 10 or 15 phys or even five. You can start to get some information, you know, relatively quickly. But hey, here's my last, you know, five or 10 or 15 or 20 uh, mathematics videos. Here's my last five, 10 or 20 physics videos. Here's my last 10 or 20 computer science videos. Um, if all of these have subtopics, then in that case, you could do this at the subtopic level as well. But basically what you wanna do is you wanna start figuring out how people respond differently to the different topics. And then over time, you're gonna start figuring out that in most cases, people are gonna be responding to one of these three topics more than the other. And if you find that, then you are gonna to have to make the decision on, okay, if I wanna accelerate the growth on this and I want to like really, you know, hit a home run here, then in that case, I'm going to lean into or make more of the content that people typically respond to more. And I'm gonna make less of the content that people typically respond to less. You can still make that content if you want to in order to get it out, but you'll have an understanding. And you know, you're into math and computer science and physics and all that. You'll be able to understand all this, you know, really easily. So as you are getting that information, you are basically getting data that's telling you exactly what people are responding to and how they're responding to it based on the different things that you're gonna be looking at when you're comparing them and the goals that you have for the channel and all that. So you have to make sure you're considering that. But, um, but when you get that data back, you're going to see crystal clear all the different ways that people are responding to each content set. And then by using that information, you can, you can start paving a path in the direction of the things that people commonly respond to most on your channel. Um, and then as you're putting your content strategy together, you can also use that same information again, cause this is all goal-based, right? So like your physics videos might have a very specific purpose that you need to put them out there for. So then in that case, let's say that people respond to those less. If you know that and people respond to your mathematics content more then your mathematics content is like, Hey, I use these to grow the channel, but I use my physics content to demonstrate my expertise so that I can, you know, sell courses or I can get speaking gigs or I can get teaching jobs or, you know, whatever. Um, same exact thing with your computer science stuff. So if you have the purpose for it, then you know why it is that you're putting it out, but you have to understand how people are responding to each content set first before you can, you know, make that call. But basically using that grouping feature, in your case, it'll help you uh, understand the content sets that people are responding to more than, uh, more than others. Roberto Blake in the house. What is up, Roberto? Nice to see you in here. Um, I'm gonna shoot you a link here in, in 13 minutes. Um, and then you can, uh, um, so if you wanna get your like camera on and your mic on and all that stuff, um, I will shoot you a link here in 13 minutes um, if, you, uh, if you are still going to be uh, coming on today. We've got some exciting news for you guys once Roberto gets on here. So, uh, so here, next up on our list here, we've got um, Alfie Hartshorn, Alfie Hartshorn says that they haven't started their channel yet. The goal is to have many subs. And the question is, can sub for sub get your account terminated? Yes, it can. That is a community guidelines violation. So absolutely it can. Uh, next up on our list, that was an easy question. Next up, we've got Willow the Kitten. Willow the Kitten uploads every other day. They've been on YouTube for less than a month. 
and the type of channel is kitten clips hey really quick so coach sherry says that um they like that content sets um idea so coach sherry i put out a youtube short on i think it's like wednesday or thursday of this month is when it went live um in that particular short i show you how to find that grouping feature and show you just some information that um that you can pull from it as well boogie woogie blues and classical piano member for five months what is going on hope that you're doing fantastic so on this channel, the goal of the channel is to make people smile with their kittens and escapades and cuteness. And the question is, I visited Creator Mix this week um, as I needed some music for my channel and I wanted cute music. Do you have a search bar? And two, do you have music that would fit in a cute theme? Um, it's a really good question. I mean, I guess for cute, I'm not sure what cute music would sound like. So I, my brother D is in the chat. So um, I, like he's, you know, listening to this in the background. So he, uh, you know, he'll hear this at least, or I'll let him know about it. Um, I'm not sure, I guess you're, I guess just more like upbeat, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, um, cute sounding music, I guess. So, you know, I'll pass that on to him and, um, and see what we can do. We, we have a ton of requests, but we also have a ton of content that we're already, um, you know, working through to, uh, to get it out for everybody. So, um, so I'm sure we'll end up adding that to the queue. So next one, the channel is One Step. Uh, they upload every other day. They do fighting games. The goal of the channel is to make my skills and passion into a profitable and fun career. The question is, my dude, what's up? Hey, so what's the major difference in uploading a video as private slash unlisted and then making it public compared to scheduling an upload? Okay, so first, if you upload a video as private, then you can, you know, fill out your title, fill out your description, put your end screens, all that in there, that's fine. But as soon as you go to like pin comments and that sort of thing, you are going to be limited because you can't do that on a private video. With a private video, you are the only person that can see it unless you assign, um, unless you put in an email and it shoots an email to somebody else to be able to access it there. Um, now, when it comes to unlisted, YouTube actually recommends that you upload your videos on as unlisted. Um, when you upload it as unlisted, then you can do everything that you need to do to fully get that video ready to fly. And if you need to send it to a sponsor to view it, or if you need some type of feedback on it or anything like that, then you can just copy the link and send it to, to whoever. And anybody that has that link can come in and, and see it. When you schedule it, um, then in that case, what happens, you wanna make sure that you get everything ready and then you schedule it. Because if you schedule it first, then it puts it into private and you can't go in and pin comments and that sort of thing. Um, so that's the difference between, between them. But what you wanna do is you wanna upload as unlisted. But keep in mind, if you are uploading as unlisted, you also do not want to add it to a playlist until you're getting ready to publish it. Same exact thing. Well, if you schedule it, you can, and then they won't see it in a playlist. But if you have it as unlisted and you add it to a playlist, then if anybody's accessing those playlists, then that video can still show up there as well. But they say any benefits to either any cons. I'm scared because I feel like uploading is private and then changing it to public when I want to can actually hurt the video. I know it's not true, but you know, what's the difference and what do you do? Okay, yeah, so hopefully that answers your question in terms of you know what you should be doing um, when it comes to uh, that upload. Super Rebel Raynor says that, um, hello, Nick, I've been doing shorts for a while now, but I can't seem to find my type, uh, my type niche. So I do whatever idea that comes to mind. Should I continue doing this until I land on my type niche? So um, YouTube recommends that you do that. So, or at least they used to in terms of if you don't know, 
what it is that you want to make content about, upload about the things that you care about. And then once you do have something that does substantially better than the other content, then that's where you want to start leaning into that type of content or making more of that type of content. So in terms of, you know, like, hey, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just making videos about things I care about. That's the route that you want to take until you until you decide on something. Um, so then that way you can go ahead and get content out. You can start learning how to edit videos, learning how to make thumbnails. You're learning how to do the thing until you do run across that content that you decide that you want to make. But keep in mind, you only want to put out content around the things that you actually enjoy because if you're just like hey let me just put out a content about a bunch of other stuff and like I don't really care about this other stuff but I'm just doing it to do it just to get a video out um, that can actually end up working against you because what can happen is those videos can end up taking off but then that kind of pigeonholes you sort of into making that type of content so because of that you want to make sure that you're only uploading about things that you actually care about Super Artemio Sylvia says chapters on podcasts yes or no so um, it's optional. So when you are putting um, chapters on podcasts, one thing to think about is when people are, are listening to podcasts, it's typically like a sit-in experience. Like if you're gonna be listening to a podcast, you are, you know, you're, 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 you're like, hey, this is a podcast. I'm like prepared to, you know, listen to this. So because of that, um, I would experiment with it and see if you end up getting a better response and just look for spikes um, in your audience retention reports where people are skipping to that part. And you'll be able to see the lines where those chapters are and you'll be able to see exactly where people are skipping to. Experiment with a few to see how, you know if you do notice that people are skipping you know past your intro and all that good stuff that you do um, but typically a podcast is like a sit-in experience and you're prepared for that if you're clicking into a podcast um, however you know if there is information let's say you're sharing like a list of tips or something like that around the subject matter that you talk about in that case you know helping people find those tips quickly adds to the viewer experience but it can end up working against you in terms of watch time so experiment with it see if your viewers end up you know enjoying the content more that way um, but I'm gonna guess that you'll probably find that just letting them ride will probably be the um, the path that you're probably gonna end up taking. But definitely experiment with it um, because you know because I could be wrong in that based on you know what it is that you are personally doing. So uh, let's see here. I think that catches up there. Okay, that does. Trending live TV. Good day. Hope that you're doing fantastic. Buena TV. Hope that you're doing awesome. I agree. Thumbs up. Definitely. So uh, let's see here. So as we go, Corn Creates, nice to uh, see you here in the chat today. Hope that you're doing fantastic as well. So uh, let's see, experiencing relaxing sounds to enjoy. What's up? Hope you're doing great. Welcome to the stream. So Double D Homestead, the prepared homestead, says that they do daily content. They've been on YouTube for less than a year. They do homesteading and prepping content. The goal is to teach people some of the old new ways. And uh, let's see here. They say, is there a golden spot for minutes for making videos? For example, 10 minutes. So people used to make videos for 10 minutes so that they could, um, they would make videos for 10 minutes so that they could have the, the videos uh, monetized more. So in the past, when you made videos for 10 minutes, then you know it would allow you to add an extra ad to your video. But now with like mid-roll ads and all that, if your video is eight minutes, then you can add those extra excuse me, you can add those extra um, ads to your videos. Um, so if you're doing it for monetization, then eight minutes would be that, you know, threshold. But keep in mind, when it comes to YouTube, again, you know, the viewer experience is the thing that's important. And since the viewer experience is the thing that's important, you wanna make the videos as long as they need to be. I'll say it again. So because the viewer experience is important, you need to make the videos as long as they need to be. And what that means is, 
you need to keep people engaged for as much of the video as you possibly can. And the more that people watch your video and the longer they make it in your video, the more likely that that video is going to be shown to more people on the platform. So because of that, it's really important to make sure that you're not just adding a bunch of fluff for the sake of making your videos longer. So for example, all over the internet, there's videos that are three minutes long that are just getting crushed with views. All over the internet, there's videos that are an hour long and three hours long that are getting crushed with views. So it really comes down to the actual content of the video and the experience that it creates for the people that are interacting with it. Um, there isn't a golden ticket, so to speak, in terms of like, okay, make a video that's seven minutes long and it's gonna do awesome. Doesn't work that way. Um, you can make a video that's 10 minutes long and it could tank. You could make your next video 10 minutes long and it could be the best video that, that's ever hit YouTube. <laughs> so, so, you know, the actual time limit is about making the video as long as it needs to be to give the vi the viewer the experience that they are expecting when they click on that. And the better you get that, um, the, the the better you'll end up doing long-term. Um, let's see here. Boom. Hey, I just dropped that in, um, in chat there, uh, Roberto. So uh, let's see here. So next up on our list here, we've got... Buff Base Outdoors, I think we answered a question from you already. Yeah, we did. We, we answered one from you already, I think, but I'm not 100%, so I'm just gonna go through this one really quick while we're waiting for Roberto to come in. Um, it says, hey, Nick, as a small channel, should I focus my efforts on making more videos that will grow my audience? Right now, I do one fishing product each week and one fishing adventure. Should I just stop doing the reviews until my channel grows more? Um, so your reviews can also help you grow your channel. So you know, because of that, it really comes down to what it is that you're trying to do with your channel because you know like you could have a purpose for the reviews like if you're doing your reviews and you're sending people to Amazon and you're using that as a way to make money so you can keep fishing and keep showing people the content that you're making then in that case then you need to keep doing those reviews in order to get that return however if you the only thing that you care about is like getting more views and getting more subscribers um, if you have the content that is performing better and it's not reviews then that would be the content that you would lean into so it really comes down to you first defining what it is that you want out of your YouTube channel and why it is that you're doing what it is that you do and what you're actually trying to accomplish. And then once you do understand that from your perspective, that's gonna make questions like this really easy for you because then you're gonna be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is gonna fit directly into what it is I'm trying to do or this isn't, therefore I'm going to make it or I'm not going to make the content. Hot Miss History with T said what she T said said, hey Nick, I uh, reached 96,000 subscribers this week and I got accepted into the YouTube Partner Manager program. I'm so excited. I thought that wouldn't happen until 100K. What can I look forward to? First off, high five and fist bump to you for being at 96,000 subscribers. You'll probably be at 100,000 next Saturday. But um, when it comes to the Partner Manager, the awesome thing about the Partner Manager, if you have any questions about what it is that you're doing, any questions about YouTube, you can ask them and um, they will give you what information they're allowed to give you. Some things you'll ask them and they won't give you information because it will be things that they don't share externally. So for example, I was just recently trying to get some information um, details within the recommendation system. So I reached out asking about, um, you know, uh, if I could get like a percentage, like a clear percentage um, recommendation system like browse traffic versus, versus suggested across the platform. And um, that's just not information that they share publicly. So therefore um, she wasn't able to, you know, share that type of information with me. So, you know, but what they can do is they can go through when you first have your first call, what they're going to do is they're going to introduce themselves and all that and they're also going to um uh you know give you like a report of sorts from your youtube channel 
And through that report, they're just going to show you like, hey, these are the places where you're thriving. These are the places where you need, you know, where you need to work on some stuff. Um, if you have videos that, you know, you're not running like the, the, the unskippable ads, things like that, they're going to tell you to turn those on so that, you know, you can make more money, those sorts of things. Um, in addition to that, though, one of the one of the really awesome things about being in the partner program is that um, if there are um, events within YouTube, virtual events um, where they do additional training and things like that, um, if they think something is good for you and the type of content that you're making and what it is you're trying to do with the channel, then they will invite you to those types of things as well, to where you're going to get access to, um, you know, special training and things like that, that, you know, people, you know, just don't generally get um, because you are in that partner manager program, you're going to get access to those sorts of things as well. They don't happen all the time, but they do happen. Um, and, you know, you will get, you know, invited to some of those things. Some of those will be like an entire thing about how to make more money from the platform, um, those types of things. Other ones will just be things about um, it's just a bunch of random stuff, you know, but um, but those are, you know, the types of uh, perks that you end up getting. And if you have a question, if you're like, hey, quick question, have you ever had the experience where you ran into, you know, X, Y, Z or, hey, what does this mean? I'm looking at my analytics. I'm trying to get, you know, a better understanding of how to interpret this. You know, how can I do that? You know, they, they'll be your guide um, on, you know, figuring that type of stuff out. So it can be very, very valuable in that regard. Um, let's see here. Next up, we've got, yeah, I sent Roberto that uh, link waiting for him to come in. But in the meantime, I'm going to answer some more uh, questions here until he pops up. I'm actually going to spread this screen out just to make sure he's not. Okay. Yeah, there we go. So uh, let's see here. So next up on our list, uh, we did that one already. 41 questions cruising through these. Okay, so we've got Cute World is our next one. They do daily content. Um, they've been on YouTube for less than a month. They do funny animals videos. The goal of the channel is to grow my business and start as a full-time YouTuber. And the question is, hey, Nick, I'm a new funny animal YouTube channel, and I have really important question. I've been uploading video in very popular niches, and I have a banger of a thumbnail and title, and I have a really good high-quality content. I've already done my research to my competitors. I've already done everything to my capability, but my channel is still not growing. I'm wondering, you always talk about niche and title and thumbnail, but you never specifically explain about competition. Like how do small YouTubers get discovered in a very popular niche with already a big YouTuber conquering it? So this is a really good question. And the, the, the answer to this is that if you have large channels in your space, that's fantastic. That's actually a huge benefit to you. And the reason for that is because YouTube has already figured out through the content that they're making who is a good, you know, uh, uh, audience on YouTube for that type of content. If you're the first person to make a certain type of content, YouTube has to figure that out, which can make it a lot more challenging. But when you have other people that have already walked down that road, then it's a lot easier. You have a bunch of other content on YouTube that you can connect to once your content, if it's not already, once your content is at, you know, a more competitive level, you have all these other channels, you know, on the platform that are already making content like yours that you can get recommended next to um, that, you know, once people start interacting with your content, once YouTube sees that they're enjoying your content, like they're enjoying their content, then they'll start tapping into people that are interacting with their channel that hasn't seen your channel yet, start testing your content against them. So it's actually beneficial to go into a niche that already has, you know, content or content creators that are dominating the space because they've already paved that path for you. And it one proves that you, you know, have the opportunity there, but two, it's also, it also proves that there's an audience for what it is that you're doing. And it helps the system also more easily tap into that audience with your type of content once they understand it. 
Next up on the uh, list here, we've got... Um, Style Setter. Style Setter uploads when they have time. They do gaming content. Um, they The goal of the channel is to make my uh, hobby into a job. The question is, can a niche ever be too crowded? If yes, should you look for a niche that's less crowded, even if you are less passionate about it? No. Um, so the, the thing about anything, it doesn't matter if you're making a, a phone, if you are making, you know, it doesn't matter if you're making like a physical product, a digital product, a YouTube channel, a TikTok, a podcast. It's not saturated until you do it, so to speak. That, that, that's a bad way to say it. You are the thing that makes it not saturated. So yes, there might be a lot of other people doing it, um, but that's proof of concept, right? So that's, that's actually a good thing. So when you come in and you start making YouTube content, you are going to do it a little bit different than everybody else that does it. You are going to have your own perspective. You're gonna have, when you're editing your videos, you're gonna have your own things that you think should be in the video. You're gonna have your own things that you think shouldn't be in the video. You're gonna have your own quirks that you add to it. You're gonna have your own, if you add, you know, if you decide to do anything funny in the video, it's gonna be funny based on your humor. Everything about it is gonna be a reflection of you. Right. And that is what makes it unique to you, which is what makes it to where you can't really go into anything that's saturated because there's nobody else doing it the same exact way that you're going to do it. Now, if you're copying other people, then, yeah, they're going to be doing it the same way until you find your voice and you find your own way of doing it. But once you do that, then you are going to be like a fresh thing for that space. But you have to try really hard to figure out what you can do in addition to, you know, your way of doing it, anything else that you can do to also try to stand out, um, try to stand out in the space. At last, the Sith Lord of YouTube, Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake, my man. How's it going? It's going good. Can you hear me loud and clear, Nick? Here, I gotta, I'm going to have to do some tech stuff here. Say something real quick. Test and test and my check, my check. One, two, one, two. Yeah. I don't know. Can you guys hear him? Because I'm not sure. Let me turn some of this down. So I turned the audio up on the music and that's going to go down. Okay, let me try now. Say something. I check my check. One, two, one, two. Might check my check. One, two. One, oh, two. I might have my I might have StreamYard actually muted. There we go. That's that's got it. Okay, say something now. Might check my might check my check. There we go. I got you. That was my fault, not yours. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So I had it. Uh, I had it where the um, where the volume was uh, way down. Um, on there, okay. or no, I had it, un or I had it muted also. You're so ladies saying, and gentlemen, Roberto Blake. So Roberto Blake is helping you create something awesome today, but huge news for you. So Roberto Blake is putting out a book. He's dropping it on Monday. It's Roberto's first book. Roberto, first off, man, how you doing? I'm doing we'll get good. into all that here good. in a minute while we're also helping people with their YouTube channels. But first off, man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, They're I'm doing good. They're I'm doing, think, say I'm that doing, again. I'm I'm doing I'm, good. I'm doing good. Echo, echo in the, oh, in the um, echo. Give me one second. Okay. Now you shouldn't be getting an echo. Are you? Let's see. I'm not hearing an echo on my side. Is the chat hearing an echo? What do we got? Is this better? Is this better for everybody? Am I coming in loud and clear? And Nick, can you hear me right now? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Okay, great. They're saying I think they're saying it's good to go. So I think I think we're in business now. All yep. right. Hey, yeah. Woo! Great. All right. So Roberto Blake, how you doing, my man? I'm doing awesome this morning. Uh, cannot believe this book comes out on Monday. <laughs> yeah, man. So so give us some insights, man. Like I'm excited about it. I'm super pumped up about it. So what what's the like? Give us some context. What's the you know what's the book? Um, what you know what's in it? What can we expect? So the book is called Create Something Awesome, How Creators Are Profiting from Their Passion in the Creator Economy. So I was really excited and happy to write this book. This is the book that I think I've had in me for the longest time. And there, this is the book that I wanted to write. And it has three, I think, big uh, sections. I think that you could take away from this, okay, what is being a creator? Like, what does that even mean? What do we do for a living? What is the creator economy? Everyone, oh, the creator economy. Everyone talking about the creator economy. It's like, what is it in real terms? Okay. So I break that down and it's a good entry point for people who want to understand this. It's a good entry point for anyone who says, I want to be a content creator. I want to be a full-time content creator. So it sets that up. And then it gives you another section that is, what is the experience of being a creator? What is the expectations versus reality? And so what I love I do in there is I break down and throughout the book, you hear my own story, but you also hear the success stories of creators that you would know about, situations you would know about. I also make the comparison to where we were 20 years ago when when me and I were like back in the day, back in the day, back in the day. Back when I was a back when I was a wee lad. Yeah. You remember 20 years ago how web designer was not a real profession 20 years ago and it wasn't like, oh, like something that people, regular people understood and how like when I said 20 years ago, Every company in America will need a website. Like I was laughed at by my professors and you were a graphic designer back then. You know how it was. No one believed that websites were here to stay and all the stuff they thought was goofy internet crap. They did not think that this would be big business. They thought that about web design 20 years ago. They think that about creating content on the internet today. So that's like kind of one of the premises that I set. The other thing is I give you the expectations versus reality of being a creator, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to deal with criticism on the internet. Um, the concept of how long it takes to uh, succeed, the idea of pivoting, all of those things. But then I really also dig very heavily into monetization and how creators actually do make their money, what the business is like, the mindset that you need to be successful. So we're talking about the opportunity, we're talking about the creator mindset, and we're talking about uh, taking this seriously as a career business. And that's a lot of the framework of the book across 20 chapters. I also give my uh, thoughts on the future of this industry. And in the appendix, I answer, I think, the 10 or 12 usually most asked questions by beginners. Just really succinct, a paragraph a piece for those questions. A little, little bit of resources at the end. A lot of those are my resources. And uh, that's the, the book in a nutshell. Releases uh, on Kindle on Monday, August 22nd. Available for pre-order now. Buy my book. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. So um, just as a heads up, so for those of you that are familiar with Roberto, I've got a link down in the description. It's not an affiliate link. It's just a straight link going over to Amazon. So you can um, check that out. Go pre-order his book um, so that one, you can support Roberto too, so that you can learn about all the stuff that he just talked about through Roberto's lens. Um, I'm, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but just knowing Roberto professionally and as a friend, I know that the value that you're going to get out of that book is going to be substantial. Um, so I encourage everybody here to get it. Um, I actually have, um, I'm actually going to be pre-ordering it myself. 
And to be honest, I'm going to be hitting up Roberto like, dude, come on, man, send me one. So hopefully he'll give me one. You know, we meet up at uh, Vid Summit. <laughs> but if not, I'm more than happy to, you know, buy them as well. But, um, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, the information that's in his brain, you definitely want access to Roberto's brain and it's going to be reflected in that book. So you're going to get tons of value. Um, you're going to get tons of value out of that. But again, I got a link to that down in the description. Again, it's not an affiliate link um, because I just want you to get it. Like, I don't want you to think that I'm like, hey, I'm making money from it or anything like that. Um, this is all like, you know, I just want you to go down and get the book because I know that you're going to get value out of it. So definitely go down there and um, get your pre-order in there. So, um, so Roberto, man. So uh, when it comes to YouTube, man, you're talking about the creator economy. I know you've been crushing it um, in terms of just uploading content like a maniac here over the last about like 30 days or so. You've been putting out tons of content um, about yeah. growing YouTube channels, about YouTube analytics, about making money on YouTube, about all this stuff. Um, so for everybody that's hanging out here today, I know that, you know, through the questions that I've been answering so far today, I've had a lot of people just talking about making money. I want to make money. I want to do this for, you know, a job. I want to, you know, turn this into a career. I want to turn my hobby into a career, that type of language has popped up in a lot of questions um, in terms of the goals that people have for the channels. So, you know, from your experience, for somebody that wants to make money from their YouTube channel, can you just give us, give us some insights? What does that look like? What do they need to do? What type of things they need to keep in mind? So there's a couple of things, Nick, and I'm glad you brought this up. So the way that I think about it is uh, you have to think of this in my, from my perspective, like a career. If you're going to do that, you say, I want to be a full-time YouTuber. Do not think like an employee. Do not think of it as a job. Think of it as the word career and the word career and job is very, very different, Nick. And so with, uh, when you have a career profession, it almost doesn't necessarily matter if you get fired because the thing is you have a specialized skill set that makes you valuable in multiple industries that industry is represented. If you're in America, in every state, you could get work, you could get work there. And you also in a career, generally speaking, you can work with an organization or you could theoretically do it independently if you have a career. And in a career, when you decide to do a career, you also are investing not only in your specialization and education, but in the tools of your trade to be able to operate independently. Independently. If you're a content creator, if you are a creator as a full-time career, then that means you have the capacity to create content that is valuable to a viewer. And you can do that in a lot of ways. That's not just because that means, okay, I'm not a full-time YouTuber. I can create content that's valuable on any platform. There are a lot of people who missed the boat on YouTube and they used other platforms. YouTube, I think, is the best platform for monetization, offers the most opportunities, offers the most longevity out of every platform, offers the most features, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean it stops there. I think it's a good starting point in many cases because of the fact that it's evergreen, the monetization opportunities. So where would I start? I would start with, if nothing else, I would start with the goal of trying to get your YouTube channel monetized, which is why uh, we focus on that so heavily. You know, you and I focus on that. Our peers focus on that because the thing is now when you're creating, you have the opportunity to get some ROI. You have the opportunity to say you're seeing some progress, you're seeing results, and you can maybe even recoup some of your investment in your tools or your education and so on and so forth. So I, I like the idea of starting maybe with, okay, the goal of getting your YouTube channel monetized. While you're doing that though, you can make money in other ways because of the skills that a YouTube content creator has. And what people don't understand is I believe that for a lot of you, if you're a creator and you want to leave behind your nine to five job, I believe you should add the income streams of freelance work and YouTube to your plate. Now it's going to be rough. That's how I got started. 
but that's I got I started on that same exact thing. Basically, you know, when I came back to this channel, I was like, hey, I got to figure out something so I can go, you know, full time with this stuff. And um, I built a website so that I could start sending people there. And one of the things on that website is I started offering graphic design packages for content creators. And that was kind of, you know, like the bridge that I needed to, you know, fully immerse myself into YouTube. Yeah. So one, it created, you know, the, the additional income um, that, you know, was way more than I was getting from ads at the time. But it also allowed me to just immerse myself in the in the world of you know of, of content and content creators exactly for me it was um graphic design photography taking that same camera and then shooting photos headshots for people professionally shooting sheep weddings doing that making that extra money and it was also writing i was a freelance writer i got to a point where i was good enough to make over a thousand dollars a month freelance writing consistently for me that was enough to pay rent by itself so that mattered. And I was able to do that, was doing my content, was not making a lot of money on YouTube. I was making maybe $200 a month uh, for a very long time. I also was in MCN. So that's a bad idea. They took half my money. Uh, so the, uh, the other thing is I was also then doing social media management for other people, for cup, for people that had small businesses. For, so for small business owners, if you're a content creator and you're on these platforms, small business owners don't necessarily always know how to do this. They don't necessarily always have the time to do this. So they might be willing to pay you money to either create for them or manage the back end of their posting, their scheduling, their automation. They don't know these things the same way they don't know how to necessarily be a graphic designer. So I was making print material for a lot of businesses, local businesses, but also other businesses that want print material for trade show. Nick, you know this. There are a lot of graphic designers, but there are not a lot of print production specialists that can do out of a home advertising or make the stuff for uh, trade shows in terms of those backdrops for the trade shows, um, the materials that they need for point of purchase displays. Uh, not a lot of people know how to do that effectively. So by right. learning Adobe InDesign. I, I, yeah, that's not my. Yeah, that's. Yeah. All of my like all of my experience is mostly um, mostly like 72 DPI related stuff with a little bit of 300 DPI plus. <laughs> I worked at an ad agency before I did billboards. I did out of home advertising. So that specialization then taken into the freelance world as a mercenary, as a freelancer, freelancer comes from the word hire Lance, which basically is a paid soldier, a mercenary. That's where this all comes from. You can be independent. So my thought for people and my goal for people in the creator economy is to remember the old way ways are coming back. Every People didn't work for corporations. Corporations didn't exist for a very long time until the Industrial Revolution. Everyone had a trade. Everyone had to invest in the tools of their trade. Everyone had to learn either by being self-taught or an apprenticeship or becoming part of a guild. So an artisan's guild, a craftsman's guild, a, worksman, a workman's guild, that was how it was in the ancient world. The ancient ways are now the new ways, the advanced ways. This is the new uh, modern civilization where we now have the tools of the trade at our disposal. We have the platforms to scale our opportunities. We can build our network. We can find our client base. So I believe freelancing is a good transition, but I'm not saying do what I did, which was do not necessarily quit your job to be a full-time freelancer. I had the experience and I was an apprentice. I worked at a company and I learned everything I could. I, I learned from the best salespeople in the company and I became one of the best salesmen in the company. So I knew I could close. I ended up taking over sales training. So that's very different. So I was training people how to close, which meant I could do it myself. I was picking up the slack when I was done with my marketing duties for customer service people and closing tickets. So I knew that I could service people and do customer service. I was doing the marketing the email marketing, the PR, and managing the Google Ads campaign. So I knew how to build inbound traffic and get customers for a company. 
That's the reason I was able to build something for myself is I had very specific skills outside of content creation. My weakest skills, Nick, were being on camera. The main thing that makes you a YouTuber, it was my weakest skill. I feel like an anime character. I feel like Naruto Uzumaki, where it's like the thing he became known for was his weakest skill. He couldn't do the clone technique. And that really became- quick, really quick, really oh. quick. How, how many people that are watching this right now, how many people here in the chat can relate to what he just said in terms of being on camera is kind of the weakest skill right now that, you know, something that you got to work on. If that's you, just say just say me real quick. All right, go ahead. (laughs) But see, here's the thing. I learned skills I didn't have. I'm telling you, I'm telling you what my unfair advantage was. My unfair advantage was taking YouTube seriously at 30 something, like at 30, like at like 29 turning 30. So guess what? People think if you're over 30, you're old, you're washed up. How are you going to do this? This is an entertainment platform. You have to have personality. I have the personality for YouTube and I was already about to be 30 years old. So I'm not already the typical YouTuber that's in their teens to 20s. So I want you to understand my unfair advantage was having a career. So with my career, my career gave me skills. I learned to be confident on camera. I learned to structure content to be uh, informative and then somewhat entertaining. I learned from scratch the YouTube side because YouTube didn't exist. My advantage was the skills of a previous career, which could be true for many of you. You might be a nurse. You might be, and then guess what? You could get to be like Dr. Mike and be a professional that's on YouTube. You might be a lawyer, and then you get to be Emily D. Baker. You get to be a lawyer on YouTube, and it actually pays better than being in the courtroom. And you can do these things as preferable. You could be like our friend Roger Wakefield, Roger the expert plumber. You could be a blue-collar tradesperson, come to YouTube, and now be a blue-collar millionaire. The opportunity for scale is what YouTube offers, and you can build on the foundation of who you are, but you can also improve on who you are. And for me, the thing that I improved because of YouTube was my my communication skills were good, but I wasn't confident, and I wasn't a good public speaker. No one would believe that now. I wasn't a good on-camera talent. You can watch my videos from 2009. I was terrible at it. It was stiff. It was bad. Our early videos were not – I think yours were better. Yours were much better than mine. Your early videos, Nick – you killed it. You're much better Thank than you. my, but I was really bad at this and I still don't have the personality to be a YouTuber, but I do all right for myself. Nick, I do. You know. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. Okay. I think you do. Okay. I, I think you need to give yourself more credit than that for sure. <laughs> so, so when it comes to um, like, let's say that somebody has, and I'm just going to randomly pick somebody out of the, out of the chat here. So let's say somebody like um, fretboard diaries, so I'm going to guess, and I'm actually going to click, and I'm going to look at the channel real quick. I'm going to go to the channel. I'm going to see what it is that they're offering here. Like for somebody like Fretboard Diaries, um, and again, I'm just randomly kind of picking this here. Um, so it looks like they have a guitar channel. Um, kind of figured that out based on the name anyway. Currently, they've got um, uh, almost 1,000 subscribers um, on their YouTube channel. It looks like they're showing information about uh, nylon strings on an electric guitar. Um, looks like they are doing some reviews of guitars, um, things like that. For somebody like this, that is like, you know, hey, I want to make some money from my from my content. Um, what type of what type of actions do you recommend that they that they that they take? And once we're done with this one, just as like a general thing for like everybody that's hanging out here for like a content creator that's wanting to make money from their content. What do you think is is like one thing, the most important thing that they need to keep in mind when it comes to starting with the process of making money from their videos. But let's go ahead and start with uh, the the fretboard diaries. Like if they were to make money from their channel, um, as somebody that is talking about guitar related information, what would be the approach that you would take to help them out? 
in terms of, you know, like something they could do to make money that would help them uh, be able to go into this full time a little bit faster? So one thing I would be focused on is I would be focused on getting to the monetization goals because he's already close. If he's at a thousand subscribers, he's already close. And then I would focus on watch time and I would watch Nick's video on watch time traps. I would watch Roberto's video on how to get 4,000 hours. And I would porch the, do the formulaic approach that I came up with for getting monetized. So I'd try to get like 100,000 views in a year period. I would uh, try to focus on getting my videos to where I'm getting three to four minutes of average viewer duration. So I'd probably make them uh, over 10 minutes so that if I'm getting 30% average viewer duration, I would work that out. If, if I'm getting 50, I'd do it shorter, that kind of thing. I'd do a mix, do 100 videos, get monetized. But besides that, with those 100 videos that I'm trying to use to get monetized, I would also consider things like what is somebody who's starting out and just bought a guitar? What Because that would be the largest group of people there is. There's more people buying guitars than already own them. What else do they need to know? What do they need to buy? How do they take care of their guitar? How do they uh, replace their strings? How do they uh, repair their car guitar? How do they care for it? How do they store it? How, um, you know, I would make videos that, I would make videos around the top things around that. I would also teach basic strings. And I would also, for entertainment purposes, I would also, as a guitar player, I would lean into pop culture and I would do parodies and that I would because that could give me viral potential. And so I'd look at current events and whenever there's a current event or there's something trending in search or everyone's talking about something or someone, I'd make a guitar parody. I'd write my own original music, make a guitar parody and make fun of the current thing. Whatever the current thing is, I'd make fun of it and the people would love it or hate it, but they'd have some reaction. And then I would be doing that. I would be posting in YouTube. I'd be posting everywhere else as well. I'd be doing that. Um, I would even consider doing that for YouTube shorts and then doing a full on, maybe if I have the time, I make a full on music video parody of the thing. And then I also would then go into like DistroKid and post my parody song all over all the music platforms and let people enjoy it there. TikTok is great for music. So I'd use that to build up brand recognition and awareness. So now I have all these helpful videos for a guitar enthusiast and I would use affiliate links for Amazon and for Sweetwater and I would get those good, good commissions. Sweetwater's commission is higher. I think they give a 10 or 15% commission. Amazon will be a little lower for the music industry. It'll be somewhere between five and 8%. So I would be um, doing that. And so if I'm putting out music and I'm distributing it, I have the ability to profit from Amazon, Spotify, Tidal, all the different places. If I'm getting monetized on YouTube, every time I make content, I have the opportunity to uh, profit from that. And then I have affiliate links for all these things. And I have buyer's guides for guitar enthusiasts and music enthusiasts. So now anyone that wants hey, to Hey, really quick, really quick. So amps. for us, that lingo in terms of like a buyer's guide. So really quick, what he means by that is basically you would have a downloadable that people could download and it would be your recommendation on you know like things that they need to keep in mind the guitars you'd give little breakdowns on the guitars all that but within that you would also have affiliate links going to these different things where they'd be able to purchase them directly from your buyer's guide is that correct yes also but okay. i don't even make complete beginner's guides on youtube for different aspects of people starting in music or guitar and say beginner's guide absolute beginner's guide or i'd call something a free course that becomes my watch time trap but also if there's things they need to buy those affiliate links would be in the description of my youtube videos and then people would buy uh from that so now i have a funnel for all these links and everything like that so i have a healthy amount of all right i'll make some money from affiliate links i did this when i started as a small youtuber because i covered budget camera gear 
and I covered budget laptops for video editors and budget laptops for graphic designers and PC parts list for anyone building a Photoshop computer or a video editing computer. And it got to a point to where within a couple of months, I was making $500 a month off of Amazon. The affiliate program was a little bit more generous back then, but within a year I was making $1,200 on average from this in about uh, less than a year. And so again, rent money, because I lived in North Carolina, not rent money if you live in New York or California, but for <laughs> right. bedroom in North Carolina, it pays the rent. Three bedroom in North Carolina is 960. I was making that from affiliate marketing. I was making it from writing. So I was able to replace the income from having a stable nine to five job that pays like 30, 35K a year in North Carolina. In North Carolina, that's actually the median income in uh, small towns in North Carolina. It's not the national average median income, but it means you're doing good. You're doing well if you're making 30, 35K a year in North Carolina. You have uh, your uh, rent's 960, your mortgage would be less than that in a three bedroom. You're doing okay. I was able with the internet before YouTube took off for me to just working as a freelancer, working as a marketing mercenary, I was able to replace my income without too much difficulty with skills almost anyone can learn for free or very affordably between YouTube, Skillshare, Masterclass, um, Udemy, YouTube videos, or even cheap online courses. The ROI. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to mention there is, um, you know, like with somebody teaching people how to do stuff like guitars and, you know, that sort of thing, um, driving people into, you know, Skillshare or, you know, making your own, you know, course that's a standalone or whatever, um, just getting people, you know, into some type of course material um, would be a, a fast way to uh, monetization as well. And really quick, um, Coach Sherry asked a question I want to address really quick here in the chat. She asked, um, can you add a affiliate links if you're not monetized. Currently, yes. Um, currently, yes, you can. However, um, YouTube is in the very near future, they're actually going to start limiting links in the descriptions for new channels. So in the future for a brand new channel that hasn't been started yet, they are not going to be able to, but everybody here is going to be grandfathered in because you already have, you know, a YouTube channel, so you'll be fine. But in the future, that starting process is going to be a little bit harder on the monetization side. So then you'll have to say it in your videos and, you know, things like that, like go to, like you'll have to get really creative at that point in time. But We'll, we'll address that once that time comes. <laughs> right. Instead, then send people to the website affiliated with your YouTube channel. Yes. You blog posts. Blogs will make a comeback for this reason because I'm. you could start with affiliate marketing with blogs and your own newsletter. Now, in your newsletter, you won't be able to do Amazon affiliate links. You'll want to redirect through that and then link to like your blog or to something or to um, a video. But You'll be able to do this and it will still affiliate marketing. I'll do when that when that track comes. Great. I'll get 100,000 views on the new affiliate marketing strategy for YouTube when the time comes. Um, right. so, so like that's um, that's the thing. But do do understand that you can make this uh, money right away. And then again, another thing for a music channel is if you in real life do guitar lessons, you can now do this virtually and scale in person. If you don't want to make a course, not everyone does a course. I do like things like a group membership without YouTube giving you channel memberships where they take 30%. You can pay for your own platform, do a membership, have people come in on a Zoom or a StreamYard call, and you can teach them virtually into a virtual classroom of your own as a guitarist, just like every piano teacher, every guitar teacher in real life. But the difference is you're not blowing gas money now. And they're not blowing gas money either. And they can do it from the comfort of their own place and their own home on the, on the on a schedule. And so you have that opportunity to even use this to funnel a service because people forget as a service. You said you want general advice for everybody, Nick? Yes. All right. 
yeah like let's say let's say like everybody here in the chat because you know like you know you're here so like you know we got gamers we got people with with cooking channels we've got you know coaches in here we've got um you know all kinds of you know across the spectrum in terms of content creators you know hanging out in here so for somebody that was thinking to themselves like okay i want to do something more than uh just ad revenue in order to yep. in order to get going here like what would be your best tips for them in terms of you know like how do you start exploring like you know the things you can monetize or the different ways to monetize for your channel and how do you get started with some of those things seven streams of income for content creators this is a sneak peek of a video that i'm making uh probably be out this week seven streams of income for content creators the seven streams you've heard that millionaires have seven streams of income right full-time content yes. can have up to seven main streams of income now they could have multiples of these streams but here are the seven platform revenue which is basically things like ad revenue or the uh these creator funds so you got you know platform revenue which is either youtube ad revenue creator funds that type of thing right so you have that you can have services so you can use this to promote either your freelancing or your teaching or your coaching or a business that already exists as a service-based business you have okay Primary example could be you could be a photographer, you might be a drone operator, you might be a wedding filmmaker, you might be a handcrafter, you might be a wedding coordinator, you might be a real estate agent. This can grow an existing business or an existing career or a skill set you have. So you can do freelancing, either to do your trade or to teach people to enter your trade. So services, there's platform revenue services. You can make products. These can be physical or digital products. It could be merch. It can be a physical product like the SwitchPod from Pat Flynn, or it can be an online course like what he uh, sells through Smart Passive Income with his uh, courses, whether it's a podcasting course, YouTube course. It could be a Skillshare course. Um, it could be something like that, okay? So you have products, you have memberships. Memberships could be um, your fun, your entertaining, could be private exclusive videos, could be private members only live streams, or it could be a membership group that is about uh, coaching or events or leadership, could be virtual, could be physical. Okay. And um, keep in mind really quick, he's not talking necessarily about YouTube memberships. Like if you haven't qualified for that yet, no problem at all. What he's yeah. talking about is setting up your own membership platform of some kind. So you can use like, um, for example, Uscreen is a great solution for this because like with Uscreen, for example, they have live streaming in there. They have like a community area they have where you can upload, you know, different videos. You can sell like a monthly membership there or you can sell content a la carte. Um, so, you know, solutions like that are out there for you to where you don't even have to use, you know, any of the built in platform stuff if you haven't made it to those thresholds yet um, to where you can go ahead and kind of get some of these things in motion. But go ahead, Roberto, sorry to interrupt you there. So no, so we're at four. Then you have donations. Donations can happen via um, a platform, whether it's YouTube monetization uh, where they take 30% or it could be Patreon or it could be buy me a coffee. It could be any donation-based platform. Could be people dropping PayPal cash app. So donations are another method of monetization. And then after that, you have affiliate marketing where we help brands make sales. We put their links in. You can qualify for this with the Amazon Influencer Program. You would have to have 1,000 subscribers. I think you could have 500 on any platform. The other thing you could do is you could go direct to manufacturers, and a lot of them will do it. If you do software as a service, if you're already a paying customer, then you can get an affiliate link. We have that for things. TubeBuddy, one of our biggest. Kajabi for me, some other ones. Epidemic Sound, so on and so forth. Okay, And then you have brand deals. This requires you, in many cases, to have a following. You could be a micro-influencer. You could be a nano-influencer. You could be a mid-tier influencer. Whatever it is, 
you can qualify for some kind of brand deals and do paid contracts. Get a contract every time, get it in writing, get it in writing so it's not a scam. But those are your seven streams of income for content creators. And the thing is, regardless of what niche you're in, you can do at least three or four of these, regardless of what niche you're in, regardless of what niche you're in, regardless of what background, you can do three or four of these. And it's pretty straightforward. And for most people, the ones that they typically do, Nick, is they typically do ad revenue because, okay, get monetized on a platform. They usually do that. It's platform. default. Yeah. It's default. So they almost all do that. When they qualify, they all want to do brand deals if they're capable of it. And then everyone tends to sell merchandise as their product. And if they have live capability, they'll do donations. So those are the three or four that almost everybody does. Another one that a lot of people do is they will do a membership, whether it's Twitch subs, YouTube channel memberships, or a Patreon. So, you know, almost everyone does at least three of these. There are exceptions where some people, because of the personality or promises they made to their audience or their type of content, they'll opt out of some of them. Some of some people, because they cover like scams or scammers, they won't feel like they have permission to sell a product except maybe a T-shirt. So they limit some of the opportunities there. Some of them will refuse to do brand deals because of that, um, even though they could for legitimate companies and probably better to point the audience to legitimate companies. And those would probably just be established large big box brands you know so that would but again anti sometimes those channels have an anti-selling or anti-capitalist or anti-consumerism message so sometimes that would be off brand for them so sometimes they refuse to sell anything consider in your brand what is appropriate and available to you um and what you can do but my suggestion is to not paint yourself into a financial corner to be honest with you i believe that more creators should look at at least having the option for all seven income streams. And really quick, if you are digging this information right now, um, I do want to remind you that um, Roberto's book is dropping on Monday. So I have a link to this down in the description of this stream right now. It's not an affiliate link. It just takes you straight to Amazon where you can pre-order this. Um, but it's called Create Something Awesome. It's by Roberto where he goes you know, more in depth in some of the things that he's talking about as well as talking about a lot of other things. So if you are enjoying this and the information that he's sharing, I do want to just remind you that that's available and it's gonna be coming out Monday day so go ahead and um, go ahead and hit that pre-order yeah and actually nick um people have been doing such a great job in supporting me uh with the pre-orders that actually in the category of i have it on the screen if you want to share it in the category of sure. best sellers in podcasting and webcasting it's been pre-ordered so much that in the uh, it's in the amazon uh best sellers category right now you've got us beating hook point right now thank you for that for number nice. one in uh, 100 paid bestsellers in podcasting and webcasting. And the thing is, Hookpoint is so good. And uh, same thing for um, Daniel Larson with uh, Podcasting Made Simple, that that's a, that's a huge feat. So I really appreciate it. I feel uh, great about having such a wonderful community. Uh, this book uh, was a labor of love for me. You know that I've been working on this for nearly um, nine months of my life now, has been focused around this book. Um, and uh, it's the book that uh, if I had started my journey in YouTube and I'd had this book, it would have been it would have been different. It would have been better. I would have been much more intentional about all of it. Uh, something I brought up in here, Nick, is um, the value of networking. Collaborating is underrated, and people think they always need to collab with big YouTubers. I think you should come up with people. I came up with people in social media. I came up Me with too. Brian Fanzo, Amy Landino, Tim Schmoyer, 
Daryl leaves, and those people are still in my ne- Vincenzo Landino. Like Amy used to be Schmidt Tower, and then she married uh, Vincenzo. Uh, like I grew up with these people in social media. We went on this journey of transitioning our lives and out of our careers together. I saw people get married. I saw people have kids uh, that came from all of this. And uh, we grew together. And you came up with uh, Brian G. Johnson and Daniel Battelle and Dan Courier. You know, um, like there, so like there is real value in that and growing together and building together and building your community and building your niche uh, together, you know, um, being being there at the beginning and seeing the wonderful things that happened for Sean Cannell and Benji Travis, seeing people in our communities who grew and grew bigger than us. It's all like, and the thing is, everyone wants to feel um, that everybody is just out for themselves, but it's no, most people genuinely want to see like-minded people, people like them succeed. And a lot of people, the big problem is things like I cover in the book, I cover imposter syndrome. A lot of time you don't think you have value to offer to somebody. And so you, you tend to put these negative thoughts out there and you tend to presume that people have negative thoughts and feelings towards you. And then you're distracted from the idea of genuinely trying to be helpful and useful and create real value for them. That includes not only your audience, but includes your peers that people get in their head about this. You know that I've even struggled with it, but yeah. nobody likes me. Like, you know, like, so just understand, I wrote this book partly with the idea of what would a message have looked like for somebody 10, 20 years younger than me or somebody um, who's just starting, if I was starting from nothing, what would a, what would the appropriate message have been to me to make me feel less alone, give me real guidance, and set realistic expectations for me, not gas me up, not make me delusional, but tell me what's possible, but also explain the harsh realities of it and prepare me for success, prepare me to be successful, prepare me. You know, for- on that note, you know, I, I think that um, that side of thing, hey, really quick, Andrew Cans in the chat. What's up, man? Hope you're doing awesome. So like one thing um, that I think is interesting is, you know, like when you first start doing this sort of thing, like you don't really know what it is that you're getting into. Like, um, you know, like initially you're like, hey, I'm making videos and I'm doing the thing and I wanna have like a big channel and like all the stuff that comes with it. But like, you don't really know yet the stuff that comes with it. And you know, like with this stuff, there's like good stuff that comes with it. There's bad stuff that comes with it. There's like emotional stuff that comes with it. There's like all of these, you know, different things that you just don't expect to have to deal with. Um, Even little details, like, you know, once you start getting some type of momentum, then you have this little monkey that jumps on your back in terms of pressure. Um, And that pressure is like, you know, hey, I'm getting momentum now. So now like everything that I do has to be awesome because if it doesn't, then I now have people watching me that I might let down or like whatever. So it's like, you know, you start having all of these like weird things going on, you know, within yourself. Um, Plus, in addition to that, you know, you get all this feedback from comments and, you know, if you're on other platforms and all that, like, you know, you have people talking about you in good ways and bad ways. And, and, you know, it can, it can do a number on you if you're not, you know, prepared for that sort of thing. So the fact that you're preparing people for that journey, um, that by itself is a, is a massive, massive value just, just in that by itself without even all the other stuff that that's in there. So that I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped that that's in there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to learn to deal with criticism. You have to deal with the imposter syndrome. You have to deal with the feeling of the pressure of being overworked or overwhelmed. There's also um, things like, um, you know, the talent trap of seeing these talented people that you think grew overnight. It's like, I explained that um, a lot of people that you think are an overnight success were actually just working in silence and shadows for like, you know, five, 10 years. And you had no idea who they were 
And that's why they're like successful and you know who they are now is because of the 10 years that they worked in silence and shadows, like a true Shinobi, you know, like that's, and they just right. in there. It's like, where did they come from? It's like, well, that's because again, that was, they, they were training in silence for this moment. And that's why, you know, it's like everything they did was leading up to this. That's why. I was just watching a video from um, his, his YouTube channel um, is Ed Talenti, I think is how you say his last name. And uh, basically he teaches music producers about, you know, just music in general and like just how to, you know, thrive in that, you know, side of the thing. And um, from my interpretation of him, just, you know, just watching some of his like help content, um, I thought that, you know, this is something that he just started, you know, fairly recently, not his YouTube channel itself, because that is fairly new. But I thought that, you know, he him doing that whole thing was fairly recent. And then I was watching this video and he's like, yeah, you know, um, this video right here is me making my first beat like 10 years ago. And, yeah. uh, and, and you know, like he, you know, plays that and it's like, holy cow. And then, you know, he starts playing like his progression and, and like how he's progressed over time through what it is that he's doing. And he talked about all the different experiences that he's had that actually positioned him well so that once he came onto YouTube and he started making videos for YouTube, he was just primed and ready to, you know, ready to come in here and make an, make an impact, which is, uh, which is pretty awesome. But that same exact thing that, that you're talking about, you know, a tons of, of content creators are in that similar boat to where all of that stuff that happened before they started trying to make content, like, you know, all of that, that life experience is stuff that they get to bring with them here that can also, you know, assist them in this process as well. Exactly. That's why also, again, for those who are older, do not think that you're too old to do a YouTube yeah. channel. You have unique value because how many people in your age group of your peers are going to go and put information out for free on the internet, put themselves at the mercy of public scrutiny or embarrassment. And then how many people, like there'll be younger attractive people and you know what they have? They have being younger and attractive. They have no life experience. They have no real world experience. And they, if they do, they don't have decades of it. They haven't proven that they have longevity. They haven't proven that they that they can compete with you in the number of people served and the amount of value created and everything like that. So you still have a different value proposition. You don't have to play their game. You have a different value proposition. You have a very unique one. Uh, there was somebody um, talking about uh, like, oh, this is like a sales pitch to you. It's a sales pitch for like what a nine ninety nine book after <laughs> like what um, like now 1500 on the main chat. Like we, I've done like uh, 2000 pieces of video on YouTube for free, hundreds of interviews you can watch for free, um, almost 80 episodes of the podcast for free. And I'm asking if you want to, it's an option to buy a $10 ebook. If you think that that's some big sales pitch or that that's scummy or scammy and everything like that after consuming, after having the ability to consume hundreds of free hours, thousands, tens of thousands of free hours of content and everything like that, that I can't help you. And you can, you know, and that's fine because there's a mentality to this because content creators are a real career. They're a real career. There's no career that you're going to do that's not going to mean you have to train for thousands of hours, absorb thousands of hours of lessons from people who have done it before you. There's no way you're not going to have to invest into it. Do you see how sharp me and Nick's cameras are on live stream and our colors and our lights and everything like that? Nick, I bet you that you've invested no less than probably $50,000 into your studio. $50,000. Yeah your studio probably no. yeah it's, it's probably so I, I i'm i'm i don't want to add up i, I don't want to you know i don't want to do the math but yeah it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. A, a decent uh definitely we'll say, a decent amount my, we'll like say, hey re really really quick though um on on that note um i just wanted to just mention really quick um oops 
So triathlon um, tips with Coach John. He mentioned uh, he wants to know what we think Señoras about the Amazon señores, influencer program. Oops, sorry, that was the uh, wrong thing. But anyway, he, he wants to know uh, what we think about the an, uh, the Amazon influencer program. So for me personally, I think it's fine. I think that there's definitely much better ways to um, you know create an affiliate income. However, if you don't know, like in your space, if you're like, hey, I don't know any other like affiliate companies that I can, you know, send to or whatever, that's where Amazon really comes into play. Because with Amazon, because it's like a catch-all, um, in my opinion, that's where Amazon comes in to be really awesome. Because if somebody goes there, if they buy, like in your case, let's say you send them there to get a pair of shoes or something, then if they go there, if they're like, oh, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I don't really want these shoes, they can go and get something else and then you can still get a commission there as well. So like, that's one of the things that I really like about them, but they're, their commissions are extremely low. Plus when I promote stuff um, as an affiliate, I find it more lucrative to promote things that are recurring when possible as well. So with Amazon, like it keeps you on the hamster wheel because you're constantly having to send them traffic all the time. Whereas with things that are recurring, you can do those in surges and then you know you can ride those out for you know quite some time. That's why I think that having a blog still matters because you can point in other places in social media, your Twitter, your Instagram, something like that to a blog post that might have a shopping list or a buyer's guide or a comparison or a top 10. And then you're not having to necessarily do it on your YouTube channel. The other thing is you can use your YouTube community tab for your affiliate marketing with Amazon or with another company. And again, depending on what you do, if you're someone like, um, you know, uh, threads, uh, I forget, uh, Threadboards uh, uh, channel, he, he could do Sweetwater because they uh, do a higher commission. And a lot of people also are familiar with them in music and will buy from them. Or it could be Amazon, or it could be both. If you're a photographer or videographer, you could do Aperture directly as a company. I think they do a 10 or 15% commission as a manufacturer. B&H Photo Video, I think, does 8%. Amazon, it could be 2 to 8% depending on the equipment. So you have multiple options for this. Even Best Buy and Target do affiliate programs. A lot of people don't realize that. So and this is a good one, too, just to mention really quick is, um, oops, is um, Zach here mentioned that the... Um, Amazon affiliate program is low, but the influencer program is different and way better. So with the influencer program, that's basically where you are making videos of things that you get off of Amazon. You upload them directly into their platform. Um, yeah, like a lot of people are having a lot of uh, success with those particular uh, with those particular videos. Yeah, indeed. And remember, the threshold for a lot of these programs, you know, you have to get to a point where the payout is like at least $100. That's true in the YouTube partner program as well. Uh, because it doesn't make sense for them to pay the fees or you to pay the fees uh, if it's less than that in most cases. So just understand that. Um, and and yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people uh, do not understand like how ROI in uh, being a creator kind of works because let's see, I, from my perspective, you're going to have to make 100 videos to get started, usually 100 crappy videos to get started. Then you're going to have to make 100 decent videos after that. Then you get good and you make 100 good videos. Then you might have the opportunity to make 20 great videos, right? So it's um, so you have um, that. But if you're going to have a career as a content creator, in your mind, you should be thinking that, you know, at some point in my life, I'm going to make a 1,000 pieces of content anyway. So anything that you have to spend in time or money or energy and you think about the outcome of making 1,000 pieces. Of, and the reason I bring this up is, okay, uh, Mr. Beast has 100 million subscribers. His first 100 videos, he wouldn't even have made the YouTube Partner Program. He got like 780 subs out of those first 100 videos. He made 460 videos 
to get 10,000 subscribers, 10,000 subscribers. Now, a lot of people wouldn't consider that successful. I consider it successful because 90% of YouTube content creators do not get to 10,000 subscribers. That is how hard YouTube is. 90% of people will fail to get to 10,000 subscribers. Mr. Beast said, I will continue until I at least get that far because I am determined to take this seriously. Like, I do not know most young people, let alone adults, with the discipline to do something almost 500 times to get to 10,000 subscribers, and that's it. That is success, in my opinion. Getting monetized is success, in my opinion. It's the lower levels of it, but it starts somewhere. In the same way that if you can just hit the ball and not strike out, that's success on the ball field. Taking a base, maybe getting a double, even if you have to bunt, what people are doing is they're only defining success as hitting a grand slam, hitting a home run, going viral. That is the problem with people is they do not have a barometer for success and they refuse to accept, accept that there might be reasonable levels to success. And so, okay, my first success is proving consistency, dedication, and discipline to make 100 videos. So the first success is getting started. The second success is consistency of output to say, I will at least be com a commitment. If even if not consistency, a genuine commitment is making 100 videos. You have done very few things less than 100 times and been good at them when you started right. nothing. So you have to commit first. So that's a real thing. So that's a level of success. Another one be it an outcome that like, okay, I got a thousand subscribers. That's a, all right, great. And you got your 4,000 hours of watch time. You're monetized. Now, because you've put in the work to be good at something and you've proven that you can retain attention, now you deserve to make money at this because now you're capable of some level of proven quality good experience for a viewer, enough viewers committed to you, enough people gave you their attention to say, okay, you are justified in making money from this because you've taken the time to get good at it. And now if you can get 10,000 people, well, congratulations, you've built a community and it's not that small. It's not that small. You can't fit 10,000 people in the San Diego Convention Center Auditorium. It won't hold 10,000 people. Madison Square Garden holds 35,000 people. It's not that small. Think about it. So that's success. It's not all about getting 100,000 subscribers, and it's not all about making millions of dollars. If you can make $1,000 on the internet, most people cannot do that. That is success, my friend. That is success. If you make $1,000 a month on the internet, most people cannot do that. That is success. If you add 500 to $1,000 extra every month for a year, you've given yourself a raise that no employer is probably going to give you if you're not already in a specialized high-income skill. You can change your life from that. That one thing right there is massive. And the reason that's massive is because like as a content creator, technically every video that you make or you know, every X amount of videos that you make, depending on the things that you promote or the brand deal that you might get, you know, if you, you know, once you get to that point, um, or you know, the thing that you the service that you're gonna offer or like whatever the thing is, like essentially like every piece of content that you make, you're giving yourself the opportunity to give yourself a raise that you would have to work your butt off for, for years in order to earn that from, you know, a company of some kind. So like yeah. that side of being a content creator to me is a, is one of the really impactful things because, you know, you have that opportunity to where like, even if you have a, a successful channel, like Roberto, you and I right now, we could both start 
other YouTube channels. We could start, you know, like two more YouTube channels. We'd have to put in a lot more time to do it, but we could start two more YouTube channels and we'd be able to monetize those other channels relatively quickly. And we'd be able to actually, you know, start getting some kind of income from those channels. If we're like, hey, we're starting these to make money so we can give ourselves a raise, then, you know, the type of channel that we would start and the approach that we would take and all of that would be able to give us that raise that we would want from that other channel. In addition to anything that we were doing on top of, you know, our channels and any efforts that we were going to put to give ourselves the raise here. So it's, it's pretty incredible that basically based on the amount of energy that you're willing to put into it and the, uh, the amount of, you know, trial and error, of course, because that comes with it too, but the amount of trial and error and the amount of energy that you're able to put into it, you can get all of that back as long as you're just paying attention and you're keeping track of the things that are working and the things that aren't, and you're just simply leaning into the things that work and walking away from the things that don't, you can really make a huge impact in terms of, you know, the, the, the income that you are, you know, generating from just making content. It's incredible. 100%, 100%. And, and the fact that we have the seven streams of income for content creators, it means that you can pick what works best for you. If you're a talented illustrator, you will be more successful with your merch line than me and Nick are as long as you pay attention to culture and memes. You can then do the fact that you're a sick illustrator, you're a great graffiti artist. Instead of going and tagging the street and getting arrested, you could take that same culture in e-commerce and win and make thousands of dollars every single month with your art by slapping it on a t-shirt and building a brand. And instead of tagging in the streets, you go ahead and you do it in your garage on foam core, take that thing, digitize it, make YouTube shorts, make video content, show people technique. And you would like, I, someone could literally start a channel that's all about graffiti and about the culture of it. And what they could do is instead of tagging the streets and defacing property, they could start making these custom art pieces, sell the digital copies, but then also auction off the original and let people use it as a fundraiser for charity to support a cause that they believe in. And then all of a sudden you take in this thing that people associate with a negative uh, culture and then you're making it positive and you're inspiring other people. And now you're building a community of these graffiti artists that are monetizing in the digital space. And that's just one example. And people have done this with other things. They've done this with that. They've done this with online rapping. They've done this with uh, skateboarding. They've done this with all these different things. And there's a path for it. And for them, that might be e-commerce in this case. Um there's other things that you could do. And that's just one aspect of it, like with the merchandise and e-commerce side. Some people, they take their love of tech or let's not even use tech. They take their love of beauty products and they do budget uh, for every budget or for every time frame. And then they get an affiliate link and then they're making some money. Then brands start sending them free stuff. Now their videos don't cost them things to make other than time. And then they do it. People do it with fashion and they do it with fashion for their body type. And they have a community and they make money. They get brand deals. They do affiliate marketing. And they have that. They have a membership, a community that supports them, not because they're even making new exclusive content, but just to say, I support the message of what you're doing. And so they get to do that. And so there's all of these opportunities. And so, by the way, me and Nick, the way we monetize, y'all should take that as an example. I wouldn't worry about, I wouldn't worry about oh, your sales pitching me. I'm out. I'm like, you should stay and learn to sell and stop being a coward about selling something because you should make something dope enough that you have the courage to sell. 
something that you're proud of, something that you stand behind. Hey, really quick, um, I do wanna remind everybody, if you are enjoying this conversation, just in case you didn't see the message last time, um, Roberto is dropping his book on Monday, um, and it's filled with all types of information like what we're talking about today, um, based around you know uh, growing YouTube channels, uh, tapping into the creator economy, overcoming uh, imposter syndrome, like all the things that content creators deal with, um, his book will help you do that. You can pre-order it down in the description below right now. It's not an affiliate link, I just want you to get it. Um, so if you are um, enjoying this conversation and you want to learn more from Roberto, definitely check that out. And I also would just want to say on that note, um, for everybody that has been hanging out here in the stream, um, I appreciate your time. And I do want to let you know that as a, you know, like if you're somebody that's new to creating content, that some of the things that we're talking about right now, they might be, um, I don't know if overwhelming is the right word, but maybe it might be like, man, there's a lot of stuff to learn with this. But I do wanna let you know, like, you know, Roberto mentioned earlier, you know, with anything that you do, you know, you're gonna have to put time into learning how to do that thing and practice into learning how to do that thing. So I encourage you to just take any notes on anything that we say that maybe if you're like, hey, that didn't really make sense, I don't really know that thing that they're talking about, um, just take a note on it. So if you're wanting to do this as a thing, that you can make sure that you are getting an understanding of all the lingo and all the different you know things that we are um, that we are talking about. So Roberto, thank you so much for coming on. Please please hang it out because um, I want to chat with you here in just a second. But um, but for everybody else, um, thank you so much for hanging out. I hope that you got value out of the content today. Again, a link to Roberto's book, um, Create Something Awesome, is down in the description. I encourage you to check that out. Or you can just hop on Amazon. You can just look for it um, over there. Um, he's going to be dropping that on Monday. And um, everybody have an awesome weekend and an awesome rest of your week. And thank you so much for hanging out. And I will see you next time. Thanks for having me, Nick.